Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly. Back with you, filled in for middays yesterday, but back with you on the overnight filling in for Big Daddy Graham tonight. Plenty to get to throughout the course of the show. A resounding Phillies win in Milwaukee on Monday. I got to say, I didn't see that one coming, uh, considering Brandon Woodruff was on the mound for the Brewers. Uh, he's been very good this year, ERA of of under two and a half, but the Phil's able to get to him early. Bryce with a home run in the first inning, really setting the tone. And Zach Wheeler kind of seemed to have shaken off of a bit of the cobwebs that he'd been struggling with the last couple starts. Looked like the Zach Wheeler we became accustomed to seeing in the first half of the season in this one. He was tremendous and even afforded Joe Girardi the opportunity to get him out of this game a little early, preserve some of those bullets for the final month of the season here. But the Phils beat up on the Brewers 12 to nothing. We will get more into that later on. They creeped to within a game and a half of the Braves in the National League East, who just have like the weirdest schedule. Two weeks ago, the Braves had two consecutive days off. Now they get Labor Day off. I mean, who's who's the schedule maker and and why is he a Braves fan? Is the, to kind of play off a social media gripe there because that's I I don't feel like many teams get Labor Day off. I don't remember the Phillies getting Labor Day off very often. I can't remember the last time the Phillies had two natural days off uh, that weren't rain delayed, uh, weren't rain, you know, outs during the course of a season. So whatever, the Braves get off on Labor Day. Phil's able to win. They creep to within game and a half in the division. They also gain uh, a little bit of ground in the wild card race, two games behind the pods, one game behind the Reds. So few weeks to play Philly still somehow 
very much in the mix in the National League East. We'll get into them a little later on. We will get to a crazy weekend of college football a, a little later on that I'm upset is over. It was a fun weekend of games, um, especially Notre Dame-Florida State on Sunday night. Uh, so we'll get into that later on. We'll get into uh, a former Eagles coach who had a big win this weekend in the college ranks and uh, a debate uh, I've been having uh, on social media with one of our uh, colleagues here at WIP uh, regarding that coach. So we'll get to that later on. We also will do NFL over-unders tonight for every team in the league uh, as you look at the win totals, the overs and the unders. And what do you think, Mike? How about we both pick the overs-unders if we agree they cancel out the rest of them we'll do a little uh, a little friendly competition on this sounds good so we'll, we'll we'll do that throughout the course of the show as well and we will start with the football and we will start with the eagles as we are now five days away from eagles and falcons on sunday afternoon one o'clock in atlanta and just can't wait for this season to get underway get this feeling Every year around this time, not as much last year, though, I think because so much other stuff was going on. We'd been without sports for so long. At this point last year, I believe the Flyers had just been eliminated from the playoffs, but we had been paying attention to that as they were a game away from the conference finals. We were paying attention to the Sixers and the NBA, everything going on in the bubble, and we are still a lot of uncertainty surrounding football and whether it would actually return. Well, I mean, not on this show because the Caesar Gramenzi meter. Right, that's true. That's true. And 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 uh, you know, we we say so long to Caesar, who who's not not here anymore. But Caesar's the best. We we will always love yeah. Caesar on this show. And hey, he was right. The whole season was played. Caesar Caesar was right. He was very confident heading into the season. Um, I appreciate you remembering that, Mike. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, y- there was so much uncertainty around. Football this time last year, what would it look like? If you had told me last year that at this time that every single game on the schedule would get played, I would have I would have taken the under on that uh, significantly. But they were able to get it done. And this year, while we still have a lot of issues dealing with COVID and the vaccine and, and everybody not getting vaccinated and that kind of, you know, causing some issues here, Things seem a little more normal than they were a year ago. And as you head into this football season, you don't have to worry as much about the COVID situation. And you can think of it more in terms of an actual football season and what we are actually going to see from these teams as we head forward into this season. And, you know, you're always starved for the return of football. And that feeling has returned this year. As I said, great weekend of college football. This past weekend, you got Bucks and Cowboys Thursday night, and then the full slate Sunday, including Eagles Falcons. And I think there's even more of a level of excitement this year because things are new. You know, you have a new head coach. You come into the season with Nick Sirianni, the uncertainty surrounding Nick Sirianni and what his team is going to look like, how he's going to handle certain situations what his offensive philosophy is going to be creates a level of of excitement going into this season. 
a new quarterback in Jalen Hurts, where, you know, you look at the Doug Peterson-Carson Wentz combination, and regardless of what you thought about that, the offense the last couple of years, the team the last couple of years had gotten predictable. It had gotten stale. You know, you kind of knew what to expect at certain times. You kind of knew what Carson Wentz was going to do, even though nobody could have predicted that he would play as poorly as he played last year. You kind of knew what Doug Peterson's philosophy was and what was coming at times. This year with a new coach and a new quarterback, that changes. And I'm interested to see what Jalen Hurts is going to be able to do this season, given a full offseason, with a full training camp of knowing he is the number one quarterback. And that uncertainty, well, you know, creating a, a level of a level of unsureness and not really knowing what to expect, at the same time, it creates excitement that we are going to see something new. And, you know, when you look at Nick Sirianni, I don't know what to expect. I think anybody that claims to know beyond a shadow of a doubt what kind of coach this guy's going to be is is lying because nobody can know what Nick Sirianni is going to look like when you get into an actual season, you're coaching actual games, uh, press conferences, stuff like that. In the end, doesn't really matter all that much. What matters is how the team responds on game day, what Nick Sirianni does in the moment. And I'm optimistic. I like some of the things he's trying to instill, but there is no way to know. But as we head into this season, my expectations for this team are somewhat high, and I think higher than most. And when you look at this roster, they are better than they were last year. And I don't even think that's disputable. The offensive line comes back healthy. Now, will they stay healthy over the course of a season? That is more than fair to ask that question, considering the age of some of these players on the offensive line. You know, Jason Kelsey. Jason Kelsey typically isn't a guy that gets hurt, but he is getting older, and... As you get older, durability is usually more of an issue unless you're a freak of nature like Tom Brady. Brandon Brooks, Lane Johnson, both coming off significant injuries. Will they be able to hold up over a 17-game season? The wide receiver position, the wide receivers are improved. You know, when you bring in a guy like Devontae Smith, you add him to this lineup who, at the very least, should be a reliable wide receiver who you can find in big situations. That was kind of his hallmark at Alabama was he was incredibly reliable. You know, didn't drop passes. Is a very crisp route runner. Finds himself in the right position to uh, receive the football. And that's something that you didn't really have previously with any of the Eagles receivers. You got guys like Jalen Rager and Quez Watkins who have shown potential who maybe can take that next step as they head in to year two. A defense, which I think is being overlooked, quite frankly, with a front that should be able to get after and rush the passer. Adding a guy like Ryan Kerrigan to Brandon Graham, Derek Barnett, Josh Sweat, Cox, Hargrave, the rookie Milton Williams who's flashed a little bit during training camp. There is depth on that defensive line And when you look back at 2017 and how the Eagles had a successful defense that year, a lot of it was due to getting after the passer and covering up for some of the issues 
on the back end. Now, I think the Eagles secondary is also improved. I wasn't crazy about Darius Slay last year, but maybe, and I'm hoping, that some of his struggles had to do with the fact that the secondary was incomplete around him. I think you've remedied some of that situation where you bring in a veteran like Steven Nelson on the other side who is a capable, solid corner in this league. You add Anthony Harris in the secondary at the safety spot. Hopefully you get Rodney McLeod back, if not for week one, soon thereafter. You add Eric Wilson to the linebacker core, and more than anything, probably the most important thing in regards to its defense, you add Jonathan Gannon, who was a highly sought-after candidate this offseason, a highly sought-after coordinator who many teams were looking to hire. And I didn't know anything about Jonathan Gannon, but uh, I'm saying, boy, how are we going to get Jonathan Gannon? Exactly. Well, the Eagles got Jonathan Gannon, and I'm interested to see what he's going to do defensively. We really didn't get any kind of feel for that in the preseason, and, and not surprising. You're not going to show anything in the preseason games regarding your defense and what you're going to do scheme-wise, but I'd expect a more aggressive defense. Jonathan Gannon, before working in Indianapolis, worked in Minnesota, is kind of a disciple of Mike Zimmer, and Mike Zimmer is one of the best defensive minds in, in all of football. And I think you'll see a defense that is more aggressive. I was a fan of Jim Schwartz. That being said, you know, as we talk about predictability on the offensive side and things getting stale on the offensive side, I think that also kind of happened on the defensive side as well, where everybody knew in certain situations how the Eagles were going to play, how the Eagles were going to set things up and the fact that they weren't ultra-aggressive on that side of the ball. They were going to rush four, and if they didn't get home with four, they were going to play coverage, and, and that was that was a big issue for them because they weren't able to get home with the regularity they needed to. And at some points, you know, I'm not a huge, you know, send eight and blitz every play type guy, but at some points you do need to mix it up. And when you look at the biggest issue this defense has had over the last couple years it's the inability to create turnovers and I think that's going to be a significant point of emphasis for this defense is how are we able to create more turnovers and they're going to need to create turnovers for a young offense that could struggle at times to put them in some more advantageous positions so I'm interested in that part of the team and when I look at this team and I look at this roster I see this as an 8-10 to 10 win football team. And if you want to get in, 215-592-9494 to join the show. 215-592-9494. And sure, there are variables that could cause the Eagles to win more or, you know, win fewer. But I think that based on the talent, based on everything we know about this team roster-wise, coaching-wise, I think that is fair to expect. When you factor in the schedule, you factor in the division, which may be marginally better. I don't think the division is 10 times better. It's, I mean, it's better than it was last year. I think Washington should be improved. Dallas, obviously, getting Dak Prescott back is is significant for them, even though he's dealt with shoulder issues all throughout camp. And if Dak isn't healthy, I think you, know, you can kind of write the Cowboys off. But when you take all that into account, 
This team, in my mind, should absolutely be able to win eight, nine, ten games and compete in the NFC East. And that's the question I have for you to start the show tonight. And I talked about a little bit when I filled in for middays yesterday, but want to get into it uh, some more as we lead up to uh, Eagles Falcons Sunday. I mean, this is going to be a big football week. I'm in tonight. I'm in tomorrow night. I'm in Thursday night following uh, Phillies baseball, which will also be following Cowboys Bucks. So uh, we'll definitely uh, chat about that on Thursday night. And I'll be on Saturday into Sunday as well. Uh, the morning of Eagles Falcons getting you ready for the game. I'll give you my pick that day, keys to the game, all that stuff. It's just great to have uh, football back um, this Sunday. But what do you think is a reasonable expectation for the Eagles as we head into this season in 2021 win total wise. And as I said, we will do the over-unders for every team throughout the course of the show tonight. Tomorrow, we will do our playoff picks and our Super Bowl picks and all that stuff. But, you know, as we look at the Eagles to start off here, how many games do you think this team wins? I'll give you my, uh, you know, pick in the next and W's and L's. We got to do W's and L's tomorrow. We'll we'll save that for tomorrow uh, and do uh, W's and L's. But I think this team should absolutely be able to, at minimum, get to eight wins this season. I think they probably max out at ten. Uh, but this is not, in my mind, going to be a, a bad football team. Like this is not going to be a team that is picking near the very top of the draft, I want to know how you feel about it. I think when you look at reasonable expectations, and we want the team to win the Super Bowl every year, obviously, I highly, highly, highly doubt this is going to be one of those years. But what is a reasonable expectation from the Eagles win total-wise? I think 8-10 to 10 is the range where they should really be in. 215 592 215-592-9494. Talking about the Eagles and what's reasonable to expect, I think 8-10 to wins, and I think competing and being in the mix in this division in the final weeks at a minimum. I'll be disappointed if, as we head down the stretch and the Eagles have some of those big divisional games, their schedule's really front-loaded. If you can get out of this first half at 3-5, and you're looking at a pretty good situation when you look at, I think, Final five or six games, or I think the final six games are are all divisional games and the Jets. So a real opportunity for the Eagles, and it makes these early season games even more important. Any of these you can steal early um, should certainly benefit you the way the schedule opens up for you late. Uh, and I think competing in the final weeks uh, should be something the Eagles should be should be able to do. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Also, if you want to talk Phillies, you are welcome to. Uh, as they get a big win on Monday, they will take on the Brewers for two more this week before coming home to take on the Colorado Rockies over the long weekend. So if you want to get on the Phils, you're welcome to do that as well. Uh, Mark in South Philly wants to talk some Phils. What's up, Mark? Hello? Hey, Mark. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? How was your Labor Day? Uh, it wasn't too bad. I worked on Labor Day. What did you do? How was your Labor Day? I sit around because I'm retired and disabled. Okay. So, I'd love to work, but I can't work. Okay, well, did you, did you enjoy that Phillies game on, on Monday, Mark? 
I enjoy every Phillies win. It's simple as that, isn't it? You know, just you enjoy enjoy the win on to the next one, right? I've been following the Phillies and the Eagles and the Sixers for 65 years. There you go. I just celebrated my 69th birthday. Nice. But here's a different perspective. I used to travel up and down the East Coast, all the way from Florida, all the way up to Maine, and west as far as Chicago, Illinois, and even California, and even Canada, because that was my business, ticket sales and ticket brokering. What, what were you selling tickets for? Everything. College, oh, okay. pros, soccer, you boxing, nice. you name it. What would you say was the biggest event you ever sold a ticket for? The, my biggest? Yes. New York Giants versus Denver Broncos at the Rose Bowl. Oh, all right. So, was that a Super Bowl or just a... That was a Super Bowl, yes. Okay, all right. About 25, 30 years ago. Okay. But almost every year before this pandemic and before everybody started getting sick and isolated, the Indianapolis 500. Ah, the Indy 500, nice. And the Daytona International Speedway. There you go. Where big, 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 big. And, of course, almost everything years and years in Las Vegas. Okay. Well, what, what do you have on the fills, Mark? Well, I was going to talk about college first. If, oh, I yeah, mean, yeah. Go, go by, by all means. It's so, so extremely unfair that teams like Alabama... Florida, Florida State, uh, UCLA, USC, Notre Dame, Michigan. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. But they get the best recruits, while places like Philadelphia and Penn State and Connecticut and so on and so forth get the leftovers. Well, I mean, that's how it goes, Mark. It's all about, I mean, recruiting's the name of the game in college, and um, that's why these schools get the top recruiters and, and they have more, basically they have more money to spend and, um, they have more con- contributions from bu- boosters. And I got to tell you, I don't think, I don't think that's going to change anytime soon here. I've been going up to Penn state for 40 years and the, the, the bowl games that they were involved in, in Florida and, and elsewhere, I got there also. And so there was so much joy with Penn State in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. It all ended suddenly, like a flash. And I'd love to see teams like Temple and Villanova and Rutgers and Syracuse come back to life. You know, I mean, not minor league. It's, it's like a minor league. It's all a money grab and a, and a cash cow. For Nick Saban and, and people like that, yeah, Mark. I mean, it's it, it, the 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 big schools are always going to have the advantages, and and that's just the way it, it's always going to be. Uh, do, uh, you, do you have something on the fills here? Yeah, sure. I, I've been following the fills since the the middle nineteen fifties, and you know, back in the fifties and sixties, you you could just cry in your beer. They were so bad, you could just cry, cry, cry in your beer. 1964 was the biggest low, uh, mm. you know, the biggest low in, in the history of Philadelphia, I believe, 1964. 
because they had they had they were up seven and a half with nine games to go, and they blew it. Both St. Louis and Cincinnati passed them in the standings. Yeah, no, that's that that's a legendary one. What do you think of this team, Mark? You you, you feeling good about their chances to win this division? Well, I I think I'd rather see them up three and a half right now than down one and a half. Sure, but but you know, once again, it's a cash cow. It's a money grab, and uh, obviously. Los Angeles and New York, they're going to get better players and pay more money. And, you you know, you, the more you pay, the better you get. And, uh, you know, the, the Phillies do not have the top-rung talent that they used to get. It's as simple as that. The, the players try as hard as they can. Yeah, and, no, and I got you, Mark, and I appreciate the call. got to move on, but, I mean, that's the Phillies' fault. <laughs> the, like, college football, of course, it's an uneven playing field, and the big schools are going to get the best players. That's not the way it is in Major League Baseball. I mean, big markets have more money to spend, but small markets can compete in baseball. I think small markets have a better chance to compete in in baseball than they do many other sports. And you look at a team like the Tampa Bay Rays, and that just shows you, like, if you're a well-run organization and you develop talent well and you scout well and you spend money wisely you can have a, a, a successful organization. Like, I don't think the Phillies are at any sort of a disadvantage here, and that's why they are not achieving what we hope they can achieve. Um, they're in a situation where, where they've made some mistakes, and they're paying for it at the minor league levels, and, uh, you know, hopefully it does not cost them a playoff berth because – it's amazing. Like, I can't believe with this season, and we've watched this team play all year, and I don't think anybody's under any delusions that this is like a great team or, or a World Series contending team, but they're one and a half games out of leading this division with uh, how many games are, are remaining at this point? Is it, tw- I think, 25 games left? Like, this is a real opportunity for them to get to the postseason. And I really hope they take advantage of it. I mean, it would be great to see a baseball postseason, even if this team wouldn't make a significant run in the playoffs. I doubt they would, but you get in, I suppose anything could happen. Um, and they're going to need uh, their offense to carry them, and they're going to need Aaron Nola to step up. I mean, at some point here, and he's pitching again later today, we'll get into Nola more later on. But at some point, this guy's got to step up. Like, I don't think it's going to happen. I just kind of have come to terms with the fact that Aaron Nola, at least this year, just is not a very good pitcher. Like, he is a bull, average to below average, probably a below average starter this year with an ERA over four and a half. And you just can't really rely on him. And he can't put hitters away in a lot of instances. And the inconsistency uh, has plagued him. And they're going to need him down the stretch if they are going to win this division. He gets another opportunity Tuesday night. Uh, very interested to see how Aaron Nola comes out and pitches in this one. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. Uh, but talking about the Phillies, if you want to get on the Eagles as well, we are certainly discussing the Eagles. As I want to know what do you think is a reasonable win total from this team this season? I think 8-10 to 10 Without a doubt. We'll do W's and L's and do our official uh, number tomorrow night. Um, 
But as far as a reasonable range, I want to get that from you. And when we get back, we will look at the over-unders for win totals in the NFC East and uh, pick those. I have two bets in this division uh, that I like quite a bit. So we'll get to that when we return. 215-592-9494. I'm Tom Kelly. In for Big Daddy Graham. Mike Angelina producing Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you on a Tuesday morning. Uh, Angelo and the crew all back uh, starting today. So uh, make sure you're tuned in to the morning show this week. If you want to get into 15-592-9494 is how you join the show. Talking about the Eagles as we are officially into game week mode now. Um, we'll do more specific previewing of... Atlanta on Thursday night when I'm in following Cowboys and Bucks, which that's a that's a nice appetizing opener to sink sink our teeth into on Thursday night with the Cowboys and the Bucks. That's a that's a great opener to start the year out, is it not? Yeah, you know, tough call though for the the diehards. You root for Tom Brady or you root for the boys? I mean, yeah, I know. I, you know, and we'll get. I have actually got some TB12 sound coming up here. I don't know how people don't love this guy. Like, I really don't. And, like, even if you didn't like him in New England, he is extremely likable in Tampa Bay. Like, all the things that, I guess, like, I get if you hate, like, the Patriot way, and I find all that stuff annoying, too. But Brady, since going to the Bucks, he just does whatever he wants. Yeah, I mean, he's just the man. He is the man. Quite simply. He is. Uh, And we will get to uh, that later on when we do the NFC South over-unders, but asking what is reasonable to expect for the Eagles from a win total this year. I see our, our guy Jimmy in Mount Holly on the line. He's kind of our uh, gambling expert slash correspondent here. We'll get to Jimmy's uh, opinions in a few minutes, but first I want to look at the NFC over-unders for this season because I think there are some interesting numbers on the board here. Now, the Cowboys are the betting favorite. They're over-under is nine and a half. I think this is a real tough one. Um, I would I would not bet this number either way. I think if you look at the Cowboys, if they remain healthy, if Dak Prescott remains healthy, that offense is going to be tremendous. I mean, I had said going into the 2020 draft, forget Jalen Rager and Justin Jefferson. What I wanted the Eagles to do that year was trade up for CeeDee Lamb. And Had they done that, maybe you don't end up using a first-round pick on Devontae Smith. Who knows what could have happened. But I think CeeDee Lamb is an absolute stud. And when you pair him with Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper, obviously, in Dallas with Ezekiel Elliott, uh, Dak returning, offensive line that if they stay healthy, I mean, a big blow for them uh, needing to place Zach Martin on the COVID list. I believe he is officially out for Thursday night. I guess that means he's unvaccinated, but I believe Zach Martin has been ruled out for the game Thursday night. But if that offense stays reasonably healthy, they are going to be incredibly dynamic. Remember how good they looked last season before Dak went down. I mean, they were they were scoring like 40 points a game, and they were only like two and three. It was crazy. I mean, but that's, again... The downside with the Cowboys is that defense is not very good. I think they're they're improved, 
but I don't know if they're improved to an incredible degree here. So nine and a half, I wouldn't bet it either way. I would probably go if I had to with the over just because I think the Cowboys probably get uh, 10 wins. I think they probably finish 10 and seven, but that's a real difficult one to call Um, because of the uncertainty with Dak and some of the issues that the Cowboys are dealing with. Mike, what do you think for the Cowboys over under nine and a half? What do you have here? And do you feel strongly either way about it? No, well, the, no, I don't feel strongly, but I, I would lean over. But, you know, if they're sort of top heavy, um, in, you know, with their offense, like, yeah, in key places offensively, I'd say that a couple of injuries and like, you know, like if Michael, or if um, Tony Pollard has to be a running back for like a month, like, I don't, they're a totally different teams. So I, I don't know if they can overcome some of that stuff. Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously, the, the Dak thing's the biggest one. Like, if Dak yeah. goes out and they have to play, who's their backup? Cooper Rush? Cooper Rush. So, yeah. Three career passes. Yeah. So I, I don't think, they, I was upset to see they did cut uh, our boy Ben DiNucci. So that was disappointing. Yeah. Um, but uh, so we both go over, but not confidently over on the Cowboys. I would not place a wager on the Cowboys over nine and a half. Now, Washington. They are at eight and a half. This is another tough one that I don't feel very strongly about either way. I love Washington's defense. I think right. Chase Young, all things equal, like I think Chase Young already is the best player in the NFC East. Like, regardless of position. Huh. Um He's a well, monster. Yeah, now that the bodyguard left. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At this point in his career. By the way, he's starting at left tackle for the Bears. Well, I think oh we knew God. once he was coming back. He was coming back for a reason. Yeah, when we do the North, I have a nice prop to throw out there regarding the Bears that I think could 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 be a little value uh, money-wise. But you look at Washington. I love the defense. Love Chase Young. Rivera is obviously a very good defensive coach. The questions are on the offensive side of the ball. Now they have talent. They have Terry McLaurin. They added Curtis Samuel from Carolina. He's coming off a disappointing year. He's been banged up in camp. Um, they, you know, have Gibson at running back. But I just, I refuse to believe in Ryan Fitzpatrick leading a team throughout the course of a whole season. We've seen this Ryan Fitzpatrick thing before. He's proven pretty definitively over the course of his long career. Very good backup. Very good in spurts. When he's your starter and you give him too much responsibility, he largely gets exposed. Now, he was better last year in Miami, but even still, there was that weird thing with he and Tua where they were going in and out of the lineup. So the over-under here at 8.5, I don't feel a lot of conviction with it, but I'll go under. I think Washington probably finishes out at about 8 wins. How do you see this one playing out for, for Washington, Mike? I would also lean under. I mean, obviously, eventually someone's going to have to go over. But, like, I would, again, like, you know, Fitzmagic, he could just come in, in you know, midseason and then his arms just shot. Like, once you're that age, like, who knows what's going on there? And um, so, you know, that's obviously a liability. It's, you know, Gibson's good, but I just, gut feeling is, like, I don't think he's that good. Like, where he's, like, you know, changing the dynamic of a division. Yeah, I'll go under, you know, I'll, Ron Rivera is certainly, you know, a great coach, but, uh, you know, a very, I don't know about great, very good coach, but no, go under. Okay. Uh, so next up, we'll look at the Eagles. Eagles, six and a half is their over under. Now, I don't, you know, I like, I like the over here. I like the Eagles over six and a half. 
even if they don't have a great year, I think this team gets to seven wins. You know, you look at the division, I'd be surprised if the Eagles don't at minimum win three division games and probably win four. You know, I think they probably split with Dallas, probably split with Washington. I think they should be able to handle business against the New York Giants. So I like the Eagles getting um, above the six and a half number. Uh, so I'll take the over on the Eagles. What do you think about the about the birds this year with that over under, Mike? Six and a half strikes me yeah. as a little low. Well, I mean, they're not expected to be a good team, so that's pretty fair in my mind. I I would figure around six or seven. I'll take the over, just you know, more fun to root for. But if anyone asked me, you know, would hey, do you recommend you know really going in on the Eagles over? I would say no, absolutely not. Hmm. I I don't know if I would, you know. I pro- actually, I probably would wager on. I, I like the Eagles over six and a half. I'm more confident in what they're going to be this year. I actually think adding Minshew like may uh, it's gonna it's gonna matter to me at some point. Like I don't, it's rare for any Eagles quarterback to play 17 games, or, you know, or 16 games. But you know, Minshew does matter, and like it does give him a little bit better chance of winning some. Like Flacco, we saw with like the Jets and the Broncos, like. He can't win more than like one or two games. Right. It gives him more options. Like like if you are without Hertz for say three, four games, then mm-hmm. Flacco might be able to give you something, but but if it's pretty evident that he just doesn't have it, it gives you another guy you can go to in a spot like right. that. Right. So I have the over six and a half on the Eagles. And this one, this next one I think is the best bet in this division. I don't get this line whatsoever. But the Giants over under is set at seven. I personally don't get it. I have been on record about how I think they are going to be a disaster. I think you're looking at one of the five, six worst teams in football this year. Now reports that Gettleman is on the hot seat. He might be out after the season and that Joe Judge's job is on the line. because if Gettleman We will never gets, do that as long as I'm the head coach of the New York Giants. Because if Gettleman gets fired, then the new coach isn't going to keep Joe Judge and he might be gone and... Kenny Galladay, did you see Kenny Galladay says before the season? He's like, yeah, I don't expect our offense to start off very well. <laughs> I did not see that. What kind of comment is that? Uh, so you come in, Joe Judge is your head coach. Your offense, led by the the brilliant offensive mind of the uh, the puppet Jason Garrett. Coach Garrett. Coach Garrett running the show. I mean, they're still sticking with Daniel Jones. Um I think under seven for the Giants is by far the best bet in this division. Are you? What, what do you think, Mike? Are you backing your boy Joe? I'm Judge? taking the over. Well, I mean, taking the over on this. You kind of saw this trending, right? I took the under on the first three teams that came up. Like some again, somebody had to go over. No, you took the over on the Cowboys, did you? Didn't you? No, I said. Um, yeah, actually, you're right. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you, but yeah, I, I guess your the question you asked me was, did I lean heavily? But uh, yeah. So anyway, the Giants. I I was different on this Joe Judge thing than you. I. I think this is an ownership sell. Like I think Mayer and Belichick are close, and, and Belichick sold them on Judge. Like I, Gettleman may be fired, and I, I don't know if that means Joe Judge is like immediately shown the door. I think he's a good coach. Okay, I mean, but but if they bring in a new GM, the new GM probably wants to hire his own guy. I think he would get another year, unless he's crazy about what Joe's instilling there. Now, I mean, I I love the under. Hey, we'll see. That this is going to be an interesting one. But I think the Giants are going to be bad. I I just don't like their roster. I don't like the Joe Judge thing, and and I just don't know how they're going to score points. Like if yeah. you 
their offensive line is not good. They're going right. to just need they're just going to need Saquon to save them on a weekly basis. And as great as he is, I don't know if he's going to be able to do that. Well, I think it's just going to be their uh, their defense, and then you know, I guess be good enough on uh, offense. They're not really getting in the way. Like you know, Jones can't. You can't have Jones in a position where he can lose the game for you, or you know, give you a chance to not win. That's but, always what you want to think about your quarterback, by the way. No, it's not. I mean, <laughs> terrible draft. Well, I guess was, even if they drafted Haskins, like they're in the same spot. So right. that was just, what well, this is a bad year to need a quarterback, I guess. But I don't like every week they. Um, what I saw from him last year, I'll say about Joe Judge, they they played hard and he gave him a chance to win with his game plan every week. Okay, all right. Well, Mike's going over on the Giants. I'm going under. Uh, and I think it's a heavy under. That's my best bet. I'll give you one best bet for each division. My best bet uh, in the NFC East, Giants under seven. Book it right now. Win yourself some money. I don't usually do futures, but I think I'm going to do a little a little something on Giants under seven. So uh, you should do something on Giants over, and then we can really have something at stake here, Mike. Or I'll just do uh, Giants win the division. Or I could just bet you, uh, you know, Giants over under, whatever. Uh, I'll bet you that. 215 <laughs> If you want to get in, uh, let's go to Jimmy and Matt Holly. What's up, Jimmy? Yeah, you referred to me before as a gambling expert. You're right. I am. But I'm also a big fan of you and the show. Now, you recently had a young child, as we all know, so you could use some money. Now, I win at a 77% clip. Anybody can say that. So what I want to propose to you Jimmy, many people do uh, that are not true, not mentioning any names, but many people do. I believe you, though. Okay, anyway, I'll prove it by simply tweeting you every pick for every game this year, including the postseason. Now, it's at Tommy Kelly 44? Yes. Yeah, okay, well, we'll start. I'll have the week one card uh, before the Thursday night game and all of that. And some futures. I mean, some really good ones, actually. All right, Tom, first of all, thank you for that midday show. I still haven't stopped laughing especially Ron from Monco and Eric from San Diego. It was a great show. It's a shame that the Phillies had to interrupt it. You did a fabulous job, and I thank you for it. Thank you. Uh, now, as far as the win total, I, I don't think you're going to like this. I'm going I'm to tell you exactly how they're going to get to seven. They will split in the division. I, I'm really confident in that. One and four against the AFC West. I mean, one and three, excuse me. One and three against the NFC South, and they'll beat the Jets and the Detroit Lions. There's your seven wins for the year. Okay, so you you have them at seven, Jimmy. You don't have them beating any team they're not supposed to beat. You know, we know you go through the season, a lot of that, uh, that stuff happens where the Eagles, like they beat New Orleans last year, at the link, odds are they're going to win one or two games that they're that they're not supposed to. See, you're automatically assuming that the way I broke it down. I, I said one and four against the AFC West. Now that one may maybe or one and three. I keep doing one and four. That one may be Kansas City. I mean, I don't think it's going to be that one. But see, Tommy, I just want to give you uh, just a little suggestion. I don't even want to call this advice. You and Mike are going to go through this game-by-game stuff. That That is the biggest waste of human life. I mean, if you're trying to get to a, a seasonal pick, I mean, sort of break it down. Like, you know they're playing the West and the AFC. They're playing the South and the NFC. And, of course, the division. And then there's these loose games like Green Bay and then the, the Jets and all of that. I mean, 
I mean, that kind of thing never works out. I mean, and it's not even good radio. I mean, because a lot of times it's when you play a team. It's now, fun, Jimmy. We're, you, having, we're having some fun here. You know, it's, well, it's just a little fun exercise. Uh, if you consider that fun, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, anyway, back to the original thing that, that I talked about. I mean, the, the best handicapper at this station is, is your producer and, and our friend Mike Angelina. He has the Eagles winning about six games, so you may want to consider that. And another thing, too, I mean, you know I love you like a brother, but you can't give us eight, nine, or ten games. I mean, you, you ought to get it to one number, two, you know, we'll give you two a margin for error. So if you want to say, well, they can win eight or nine, that's fine. But, I mean, I mean, because... Dude, I got to, Jimmy. Jimmy, I got to save something for the rest of the week. That's tomorrow night's show when I unveil my win total. I'm still, I'm still going back and forth. It could be eight, nine, or ten. I'm still figuring it out. I'll unveil it tomorrow night. So you're going to give one number then tomorrow night? Yes, I will. I will give one. Oh, that's number cool. Then that's night. my bad. I, I misunderstood. Like where no. you're going over all that. So I got a second to talk about our favorite baseball team in sure, town. Of course. Now, I mean, I don't have anything invested in it because I, I don't bet against my own teams because there's plenty of opportunity to make money elsewhere, as you'll see as the season progresses. But I, I don't know. I mean, I, the only reason intellectually I can't see this is because losing the big fellow, which, by the way, is my favorite player on the team, is such a huge loss. I mean, I mean, if they had a little more offense, I mean, that Atlanta team, I mean, how good is this Ozzie Albies? I mean, I mean, even I thought they were dead when Acuna left, but I mean, it, it ain't looking that way. No, they're they're still hanging in there, Jimmy, and I appreciate it, man. Thanks. And yeah, the Braves, the Braves are a really good team, and and they haven't been playing as well recently, and that's kind of given the Phillies an opportunity here because the Braves have struggled a little bit. Um, did not play very well in Colorado over the weekend, and and this is just such an opportunity for the Phillies, and I keep saying it over and over again. You just want them to take advantage of it because you look at the long term, the long term kind of projection, and it's not great. Like as far as what this team can accomplish down the line, so you really want them to take advantage this year. And you know, we talked about the strength of the schedule a lot. I'm kind of done looking at that. Joe Girardi said he doesn't want to talk about it, and good. I mean, they shouldn't because. They don't play very well against bad teams, and that's something that the Eagles are going to need to correct um, moving forward here because you have the Brewers the next two days, then you come home. I mean, the Cubs are playing well right now, but you have the Cubs coming up. Uh, hopefully that's an opportunity for you to win some games. I mean, then you look at series. You're looking at teams like the Pirates and the Orioles and uh, – the Marlins again, which hopefully the Phillies can go down there and win. The Nationals, you have opportunities to really beat some of these bad teams, and the Phillies need to take advantage of them coming down the stretch. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. When we get back, um, I want to talk about something that makes me a little self-conscious these days. It's not necessarily social media gripe, more of like a texting gripe. Uh, that I want to get in. And also, I want to debut a side topic as a legendary actor who played some legendary characters 
uh, on some of the greatest TV shows ever, one of the greatest TV shows ever, uh, passed away on Monday. So I want to do a little side topic off that when we return. 215-592-949 for open lines if you want to get in. Predicting the Eagles win total over under six and a half. I'm going over. Uh, and I think the Eagles uh, have a pretty good chance to to reach that number. What's reasonable to expect from them from a win total this year? I'm Tom Kelly, in for Big Daddy Graham, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Uh, I have a not a social media gripe that I'll get to in a second. I also want to introduce a side topic uh, coming up in a minute here. But we never got uh, a proper recap of the WIP Fantasy League draft uh, last week. As Mike, you were out that night. You had offered very graciously to call in while you were on the road. Talk some trash. Um, yeah, talk some trash. Uh, I I honestly forgot when the segment I was supposed to have you on, and then you know it, it sounds like your phones were crazy that night. It was. We were talking about this uh, Joel Embiid Ben Simmons thing, which I know you you've already said you don't you 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 are against the fans in regard. Yeah. By the way, you made my. I remember the day before I left for vacation, I was making the case to you like the Sixers are are pretty dysfunctional organization, like kind of a disaster. And then I'm hearing you and Rob Cherry make the case for me of how dysfunctional they are. <laughs> well, I, I, the, and I don't have a great defense here, but the Embiid thing like that, I thought that was a terrible look. Like we don't need to get into it yeah. further because you've already discussed your desire not to discuss it uh, with me off the air. But like, I, I thought that was a terrible look for him to come out and rip the fans when, you know, I, I think Ben not wanting to play here has much more to do with Joel and B than it does about the fans. Yeah, so that was kind of my point. And it's not a good look for the organization. Timing not ideal, considering the argument we had the night before. <laughs> but uh, still, that's the case. Now, as for the draft, now I didn't jump on the draft Zoom, um, but I was uh, drafting. What is your assessment of of my team? Do you have that up there? If you want, to you were uh, well the one. Um impression i had was you're a big fan of these uh i guess playmakers of the nfc east oh I, my team is loaded <laughs> you, with nfc east talent i mean uh six of your first nine you know nice picks were uh all nfc yeah i mean I, it's just how the board fell you know i mean i got what do i have i have dak i have saquon i have, do you have gibson, gibson? Yeah. i do have gibson uh i'll pull up my team uh real quick here if i can yeah um but yeah, I mean, what, what, uh, is my roster not in? Is Turtle not? No, it's, it, I mean, it was, we drafted it then. Yeah, well, all my all I'll my have... positions are empty, and I don't have an option to replace them. So, um, you have a full uh, lineup. Your, your lineup is Prescott, Cooper, Moore, Barkley, Gibson, Everett, uh, Henderson on the Rams, and Kenny Galladay. Oh, okay. This is because, and this is an issue I have with, with Turtle. Not to get into it too much, but like every other league I'm in. They just like renew the league, and you don't have to resign. Yeah, we always. Why does he create a new league every year? Like, there's that is a good question. It's just another useless step, and that's why last week he's like, "Sign up for the league." I'm like, "Why do I not have to do this in any other league that I'm in?" Whatever. I don't want to get into ripping turtle, but oh well. One thing that did uh, play out in the Zoom was uh, we agreed to go from 14 to 12. 
Next year. Okay. Well, so next what, year. What, whoever finishes bottom two is out. Is that what? what so um, relega- it's like relegation. I kind so of. So Elliot that. will not be back, and then uh, Jack Keffer just well, uh, it, I think he just volunteered to also tap out. Now I want to volunteer to tap out. <laughs> Maybe the, somebody could take my spot. Race to the bottom. <laughs> race yeah. to get out. Why is Elliot tapping out? He just doesn't doesn't want to do it anymore. I don't. He um. Well, if you want to get into this now, he drafted Irv Smith Jr. Oh, that's not good. Yeah. He's supposed to be our NFL insider. He's supposed to be our NFL reporter. <laughs> Come on, man. Uh, yeah, he's done for the year. But, yeah, I mean, my team, not great. Uh, you you had mentioned during the break we had that little side chat where I just said, my team effing. Yeah, you just put in the been, chat, yeah. my team sucks. It does. And, it did. And then, we, uh, so who's on this? There's me, uh, Ike, Turtle, Keffer, James Seltzer was on there. Um, I think that was it. And then. <laughs> Once you said it, I was like, we start talking about how your team's all, it feels like your team's always in like the bottom three. Now, this is what's odd though, and I'm not lying here. Like, I usually fare pretty well in fantasy football in my other leagues. Now, you guys have no reason to believe that, right. but for some reason in our league, my team has always got awful. And I don't think it's because we have brilliant fantasy minds here. I mean, Joe DeCamera drafts a ridiculous team every year and somehow is successful but i don't know i just it just i just don't do very well in our league there's no other way to really describe it i would say ever since you lost uh your co-owner matt things went Uh, downhill for you yeah well matty's back maybe i can uh yeah Yeah, maybe that's your move next year yeah working at pht maybe i'll have to reach out to him and see if uh if matty wants to uh to join back in uh to be a co-owner so maybe he can Maybe he can fix fix my my remedy my mistakes over the last few years. So, what was your impression of my team? Um, well, I have to check it out. I did an unconventional thing in the tenth round. I took Trey Lance. And That's then, a good. Pick. And then in the eleventh round, I took Jameis. There you. Jameis go. is my first like first uh, eight weeks quarterback, and then you know it, it, I was looking at Trey Lance. I couldn't help but think of the year I had Lamar Jackson come off the bench, and you know. I took Trey Lance late in another league, and this is where people just like don't care about our fantasy teams, and we just will indulge in our fantasy. Well, I don't teams. know. Now maybe someone who's on the fence about Trey Lance hears us, and they want to pick Trey Lance. Yeah, true. If if anybody's got any drafts left, I know John Ritchie was outraged that we were drafting last week, which I don't know what's going to change between last week and this week. But. Apparently, he was uh, he was not on the Zoom, but he was uh, he he was he was mad I, at me for suggesting the initial time change, right? Right, um, but I don't. It's the impression we he wasn't auto, but like he was like the most by the board picker you could have. Like, you can't just go by the board. You got to do a little feel. You got to. And speaking of which, in a for a quarterback, and this is, I mean, maybe um, not the not the uh, most uh, moral thing to do here, but in my big league, that's like a keeper league, uh, high stakes. I did draft Deshaun Watson one of the later rounds. Could be a productive keeper in, in years to come. So uh, who doesn't? I I think Roadshow may have done that too. Okay, uh, well, Roadshow, I got a bone to pick with him a little later on. What's his? Bo- uh, I'll get I'll get to him. He's still he's still on this. Uh, he was taking victory laps on Saturday night because UCLA beat LSU and Chip did his first notable thing in seven years. So we'll, we'll get to my my issues with Roadshow coming up here. Um, but I did want to uh, introduce a, a side topic tonight here because. A very famous actor uh, passed away on Monday, Michael K. Williams, who 
you know, was in two very big time shows for HBO and HBO does shows better than anybody. Obviously Sopranos, uh, Game of Thrones. Um, he was in Boardwalk Empire. He was chalky white in Boardwalk Empire. Boardwalk Empire was a, a pretty good show that I never watched the last season of that. I don't know why I fell off. I want to want to get back in. And, but I feel like now it's been so long. If I'm going to watch it, I just got to rewatch the entire series. And that's an investment. But he was a, a very important and memorable character in The Wire. And The Wire, I thought, was a very good show. I think it can be a little overrated at times. But season one of The Wire is tremendous. And he played Omar Little in The Wire. And, you know, in this world, it's basically, if you, I, most people know what The Wire is, but it's a show based on the inner cities of Baltimore. And there are all these gang factions and the the cops against against the 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 guys who are, are selling product on the streets and you know in all of this this drama that's going on in this show Omar is by far like the most scary and dangerous character and season 1 there's this like iconic moment that that i think kind of symbolized Omar and how dangerous and intimidating he was where he's going to try to uh get either drugs or money from uh, these from these drug dealers who you know he has an issue with and omar didn't wasn't part of any gang he wasn't part of any faction he was basically just a singular guy in this in in this world but he was more dangerous and more feared than anybody and here was this kind of o- iconic scene of how people would react when Omar came around the neighborhood Omar yeah. Omar Omar coming yo Omar coming yo Omar coming Omar coming get out of here Omar coming Omar coming somebody in trouble now come on let's go yeah Y'all need to open this door, man, for a huff and puff. Come on now, by the hands of your chinny chin chin. Omar, you best roll out. We up in here with the Mac tank. Oh, I think not, Terrell. I think not. Y'all might need to think this through and stop wasting my time. Because Omar will come back tomorrow. And the next day. And the next day. And I will put a bullet in all y'all behind what happened right now. You heard? And basically, the sound you hear after he threatens to come in the house is them just dropping like a trash bag out the window because they're so terrified of Omar. And he was actually like a really likable character in the show where, you know, he 
there's an issue. Well, I don't want to give it away, but if give any spoilers away, but um, you know, cared about a lot of like the the lower people in the neighborhood and was really kind of a likable character in this world and was just so intimidating as you can hear there where everybody would just flee whenever he would come uh within range of anybody because he was so uh such a a a person to be feared and off of that i want to throw out a little little side topic here most intimidating tv characters uh, if you want to get in on that, because Omar was definitely one of the most intimidating uh, in television history and in The Wire as Michael K. Williams passes away. Tremendous actor. Um, and probably his most famous role was playing Omar in The Wire. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. So if you want to get in with your most intimidating TV characters, you can do that. Talking about Eagles win total and... You know, your realistic expectations here, we'll get to that as well. Um, and I will give you this, this not quite a gripe, but I'll, I'll give you what I'm talking about when we return here. Also, see Mike in South Philly, we'll talk to Mike as well. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP, I'm Tom Kelly. In for Big Daddy Graham on a Tuesday morning following Labor Day weekend. Summer is, well, I guess official. I guess summer doesn't officially end until September 21st. Isn't that when the equinox is or whatever it's called? I think it's called the equinox. But Summer is here. Summer is over. Like, for me, summer ends on Labor Day, and I couldn't be more happy about it. Like, I don't, I don't hate summer, but I love fall. And I am, I, I you know fall and football and honestly i get tired of the heat so i'm i'm good with summer uh being at an end i thought i had a decent summer you know it was it was a fine summer but it was a fine summer it was a fine summer i feel like that's something al would say it was a fine summer um but i'm good summer yeah i'm ready for fall uh for sure but talking about the eagles win totals we'll do w's and l's tomorrow night i know jimmy doesn't think w's and l's is good radio but our, our isn't there a rule? Like, aren't we like contractually obligated to do W's and L's before the season starts? Yeah. I mean, are you going to do uh, the Colts and Dolphins W's and L's again? <laughs> no, that, that exercise, uh, <laughs> that, that, that was, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's an April thing. I don't think we need W's and L's for Colts and Dolphins Fair. now, but we'll do Eagles W's and L's tomorrow night. It's just something you got to do when you're in sports radio, you got to do W's and L's for your team. So. We'll do that tomorrow. But looking at realistic win totals, I think the Eagles over six and a half is a pretty good bet. Uh, We still got to get to a lot of uh, more over-unders. We'll do every team in the league. If we don't get to all of it tonight, we'll we'll finish that out tomorrow. But um, doing that, talking about the Eagles and what you can realistically expect, I think you can realistically expect this team to be in the mix late in the season competing for the division. And I will be disappointed if that is not the case. If they are not playing real meaningful football in late December into January, um, I'll be disappointed. In this division, with the schedule they have, it's difficult early, but if you can if you can just weather the storm in these first two months here and get to the midway point three and five, four and five, you're going to put yourself in a real favorable position. Five of the last six games are in the division, the other game is the Jets in that stretch. So, um, you know, if the Phillies or, or the Phillies, if the Eagles can get 
even this first week one game in Atlanta, which I do think is a winnable game. I absolutely think this is a game the Eagles can win. Um, it would put them in a real uh, good position here as we move forward. So talking about what you can realistically expect from this team. Also, if you want to get in on the Phillies, you're welcome to. Um, I got a little gripe here, and this isn't really a social media gripe, but it's more like a texting-related gripe or when you're messaging somebody on Twitter that you don't typically talk to very often. It's something with punctuation because unless it's somebody I talk to frequently, I get so self-conscious if somebody does not respond back now with exclamation points. Like, if somebody does not respond with an exclamation point, I'm just under the impression that they hate me and they they want nothing to do with me. What are you, Elaine? It's. I'm telling you, dude, people use exclamation points a lot. Now, this has never uh, come to your mind. Like when you're saying, when you're talking to somebody you don't typically talk to, and say you're asking them a question, you know, if they don't respond with exclamation points, that doesn't make you a little self conscious. No, and I'll go further. I if I get that, because um, there are you know people here that talk like that. I'm not saying anything wrong with it. I I just don't match that energy. I, I'm not an exclamation point guy. Like <laughs> you don't strike me as an exclamation. Yeah, like I'm never I'm not I'm rarely like shouting like thank you to right. like, uh, thank you for the help. Right. But sometimes it's nice to get that that little emphasis to make you feel a little more comfortable, you know, so and that that's just one one thing is is you know, I get a little self-conscious you don't get the exclamation points because it's so common these days. I saw Jake Jarmel on this one. Okay, there you go. Uh, two that was his name, right? I, I believe, I forget, all the characters run together, but Jake Jarmel sounds sounds right. Um, or was Jake Jarmel, the, something with the Mike and Ikes with Jake Jarmel, right? Or was that? Juji Fruits. Juji Fruits, uh, right. Uh, 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Open lines if you would like to join uh, talking about the Eagles. And if you want to get on the Phillies, you can do that as well. Uh, let's go to Mike in South Philly. What's up, Mike? How's it going, Tom? Good. How you doing, man? Yeah, I, uh, I'm actually the opposite. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's just, you know, w- what I've been exposed to socially. But I've always looked at the exclamation marks as sarcasm. So when people do it to me, I, I don't take them seriously. Like, you know, somebody's like, oh, my God, that's great, with an exclamation mark. And it just seems to me that, like, they're overcompensating, and it's, they don't really actually mean it's great. Yeah, you know I, mean, I mean, I think it is uh, it is definitely kind of a, a phony move. Like, there's no doubt about that. But I think it's just become so common to get the exclamation points that when you don't get them, I don't know. I'm just I just feel like, oh, well, this person doesn't like me very much. <laughs> yeah, I get, yeah, I get that. Uh, also, yeah, rest in peace to, to Michael K. Williams, one of the greatest, the greatest uh, TV characters in the history of television. Omar was just. Such a badass. Omar was the by far my favorite character in that show, Mike. Oh, yeah, no question. And the Stringer Bell scene, I know and you know which one I'm talking about, was just one of the great great mm-hmm. come out, you know. It was just it was such a great scene. Um and it was cool too because like Omar like he wasn't necessarily a good guy, but he was like, you know, he was morally kind of, you know, and he had that gray area to him. And I like characters like that. I like characters where 
the TV show doesn't force you to root or hate somebody. You kind of make up your own mind, you know, because, you know, he did some good things, but he also did some bad things. And I guess that that's kind of the, you know, the gray area they wanted to paint his character in, but I, I really rooted for him in the end. Yeah. And I think they, they did kind of make him out where even though he did all these things that you think are awful, he was really, I, I think like in the grand scheme of things, a protagonist in that show. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, had some bones to pick with uh, how his story arc ended, but I won't spoil it. Um, thought it could have been handled a little bit better, you know, with, with his, the fate of his character. But mm. be that as it may, it was still one of the all-time great shows. Yeah. Um, and but for intimidating, it's, I, obviously I'm just, you know, taking the easy one here, but uh, James Gandolfini, Tony Soprano. Oh, that, that's a great, obviously, uh, you know, Tony is as intimidating as they come. You know, Big Daddy told a story on the air before. I can't remember who he was referring to, but I think it was either somebody he knew or a friend of a friend. Um, they got a knock at the door one day, and they opened the door, and James Gandolfini is standing outside, and they, like, peed themselves. They were freaking out. And apparently he just he had the wrong home or something like that. It was just a misunderstanding. But even though you know he's not he's actually a mobster, he's just an actor, when you see Tony Soprano, a.k.a. James Gandolfini, standing outside, you, you know, you're going to be like, <laughs> you're going to be shaking. You're going to be nervous. He's that, he was that intimidating as a character. Yeah, it's like you feel like, am I dreaming? Am I in, like, the Sopranos world? Is Tony Soprano coming to, coming to off me right now? <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, yeah, for the sports stuff, or for, well, for the Eagles, um, you know, I, um, I think anywhere between – four and eight wins is realistic. And this is obviously depending on obviously Jalen hurts, but I really look at it more as a Nick Sirianni because I just have no idea what kind of coach he's going to be. And a coach makes more difference in the NFL than any other sport. You know, you see when like an elite top level coach goes into an organization, how they can kind of change them overnight, honestly. Um, But it's not overnight. It's usually within a year. They could easily have teams go from, you know, fourth place to first place, you know, fourth place to second place, they could really change a team. You saw, you know, obviously I, Chip Kelly ended up being a disaster, but um, he came here and before the NFL caught up to him, you know, he turned the Eagles kind of around overnight and uh, the Eagles, you know, under Doug Peterson, um, they went to first place in just a, a couple of years. Um, so it, uh, Nick Sirianni is the ultimate wild card. But at the end of the day, I, I really just don't think the team is that talented. I look up and down. I think the division is better. don't think it's a great division by any stretch, but I definitely think it's better than last year. I mean, it's hard to be any worse. It was the, probably the worst division in the history of football. Um, I really don't think that – I think in most positions, they're the weakest team in the division, aside from just a few. I think tight end, they're probably the best in the division – I think Dallas and the Eagles are kind of nip-tuck at who the, has the best offensive line. Um, and, uh, and then I guess you could say uh, defensive line. Eagles might. But even then, I think Washington probably has a better one. Yeah, I would agree. I think Washington's defensive line is, is better. I mean, it, they, they're just – they've invested so much in terms of high draft picks into that defensive line, and, and they've hit on a lot of those picks. Right. So – but I think they're the worst at receiver. Um, I think – to be honest, I hate to, I think Miles Sanders is kind of overrated. To be honest with you, um, it's just he he has awful hands, and for an offense that relies a lot, and Nick Sirianni stresses that they're going to be relying on their backs to catch passes. I think that's going to be an issue. Um, I think they're a couple injuries away from being just totally decimated at some positions. Uh, look, this, this is how it is for me. Like last year, I picked them to win seven games, 
And I think the consensus, most people had him winning somewhere between eight and ten games. Most people had him winning nine games. And I, I honestly wanted to go lower than seven, but I didn't because I had that nagging voice in the back of my head, like, oh, you're being too negative. Yeah, they made the playoffs the year before. I mean, there's no way they're going to win less than that. So I went against my better judgment, and I picked them to win more games than I thought, and, of course, they ended up winning four games. I'm not going to make that mistake again this year. I, I think they're going to be bad. I've said that for a while. I'm not going to allow that little nagging voice that, oh, they could be better. You're being too negative. I think they're probably going to win five games. I think this is going to be a, a bad year. But, again, I've said before that I'm not going to be angry if this is a bad year because I think this is a transition year. I don't think it's, it's going to be some disgrace that if the Eagles, um, with essentially it's a uh, it's a first-year full-time quarterback for Jalen Hurts. He only played a few games. A first-year head coach, first-year defensive coordinator, first-year for um, Steichen in this city. Uh, and uh, there's a lot of change across the board. Uh, I don't think that would be that much of a disgrace at all, frankly. And I, I don't think it would be the end of the world. Now, obviously, from an entertainment perspective, if your team finishes in last place, it's going to suck for the fans. But, I, yeah, I have probably somewhere between four and eight wins. Okay, four and eight. I, I... You know, maybe I'm being a little overly optimistic, but I think, you know, I think they can certainly get to to seven or eight. And you know, you look at the division, Mike. That's kind of where I think the Eagles can can make the way for themselves late in the season, having those divisional games. You know, you have the Jets, you have the Lions. Um, you don't think with this roster, their 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 floors a little higher? I think. You know, their ceiling, you might be about right there. You say eight, I say ten. I think that's kind of comparable. I just think their floor is a little higher than, than four games. I just don't think they're they're gonna lose that many. It really depends on it really depends on Sirianni and Hurts. It's I mean, you know, Sirianni could be a disaster for all we know, and he could be great. I mean, right. we just obviously don't don't know. I mean, if he's a disaster, I, I absolutely think they could win four games. I really would I really don't because remember Tom last year too, they won four games and in the worst division of football, and two of those wins were a miracle. Like, that, that Giants win was just another miracle. Um, uh, now, I wouldn't say that the Niners and Saints wins were miracles per se, but those were really close down to the wire. And you were facing backup quarterbacks in those games. Though. Yeah. But also, the Eagles were the only team in that division to not lose a starting quarterback to injury. Now, once this horrible play negated that. Right. But they had a healthy quarterback, and they still finished in last place in the worst division of football. All the other teams lost their quarterbacks for stretches that year. And, and it was a terrible division, and the Eagles still won four games. I just don't think the roster is that talented. And, but, but here's where I look at it. Like I, think, like, I think generally speaking, Tom, I think a fan's uh, view of a team is more accurate in March than it is in August and September. You know, because you're unswayed by bias in March. You know, you're coming off the season. You know, you have the information of what you just saw fresh in your mind. And then I think the farther you get removed from that, it gives you room to kind of talk yourself into things. You know, talk like just because naturally as a fan, you're going to lean toward optimism because you want hope. So, you know, the farther, the the more months you get removed from a season, I think fans talk themselves into just a couple more wins every month. But I think, you know, looking at a face value and you look at the strengths of the weaknesses of this team, I just, I I can't see them getting between eight and 10. I I just can't. I I really can't. Um, And, and, but if they will, absolutely give them credit. I will, because I think I'm not going to go overboard with Howie, but I definitely think it was his best off season in probably like, Three or four years. Yeah, probably. And I appreciate the call, yeah, Mike. Care, Thanks, right. man. Yeah, and I think, you know, and, and I think that's true, what Mike says, where the further you get removed, you can kind of talk yourself into things to a degree. But I I, I don't think that's what's happening here. 
at least with me. Like I, I believe when I look at this roster, this is a more complete team than it was last year, and not just the quarterback situation. And we talked about it many times. Like, yeah, the Eagles were a four eleven and one team last year, but with even competent, not I'm not even talking about good quarterback play. I'm talking about competent quarterback play. They're seven and nine. And that is with all the offensive line injuries and with the defense, you know, kind of being stale and not creating any turnovers and and with the play calling issues, all of this stuff. And with competent quarterback play, you win three more games. And I don't even think that's disputable. The first Washington game, the Cincinnati game, the Cleveland game, three games in which Carson Wentz was just brutal. Where if the offense did anything, if he made just a couple throws, you end up winning all three of those games and your season looks completely different. And maybe I am putting too much faith in Jalen Hurts. You know, I I liked what I saw last year. I thought in a small sample size, he came in and performed well um, with a lot of adverse things going on with that organization, a lot of a lot of bad things going on around him. And to come in and play as well as he did with a scheme that had gotten predictable, with a weird dynamic going on with the quarterback and the head coach where apparently they weren't even on speaking terms. Carson Wentz wouldn't even meet with Doug Peterson. I'm sure that couldn't have been comfortable for Jalen Hurts uh, as he's trying to prepare for games and in the locker room. With a lack of weapons, he was still able to come in and I thought played Well, certainly in the New Orleans and Arizona game, uh, the Dallas game I thought was all right for for part of it. First half wasn't bad. They fell behind. They had to start pressing and pushing the ball down the field. And, and, you know, they kept shooting themselves in the foot in that game, but they did move the ball relatively effectively. And that was in a bad scheme where things weren't at all you know, kind of an optimal level. If Nick Sirianni can coach, and like Mike said, and he's right on about that, Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts, they're really the story of this season. We can look at all this other stuff, and we obviously will, uh, but those two guys are going to go a very long way to determining what ends up becoming of the Eagles this season. And and uh, we really don't know what to expect. It's hard to know exactly what to expect from those two guys because we have very little information to go off of. Uh, 215-592-9494. Let's get Brandon Hanover in here. What's up, Brandon? Hi, Tom. And it's just great to hear you on. Will you be on the most morning most time during the football season this slot? I will be on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday mornings, Brandon. Uh, for those days, for sure, and you know, I'm sure some other days I'll I'll, I'll be in as well. But those yeah, three days, we'll be on more. We we yeah. always enjoy hearing you. Thanks, man. Hey, I just want to want to touch on uh, the Eagles here. Yeah, Tom, I have them at seven wins, and I agree with most of what you said. But let's go a little deeper with this. Even the games. They lost last year. Like you talked about, every last thing went wrong. The quarterback was not only god-awful, but the quarterback had bad 
bad bad, bad attitude, no doubt about that. Yeah, bad attitude and bad connection with this team, and it trickled down, and it showed the quarterback doesn't just doesn't just have to affect one area; it affects a lot of different things. And the locker room clearly showed in the field that it was bad. The coach and the front office were divided, and it's just like you talked about organizational mayhem. But they were still competitive in some of those games, like the Ravens and the Steelers games. They they came pretty close. In now, this roster, even if they go seven and ten, those ten losses, I think we're going to be very interested because it's all going to be new, and. So there's going to be some cornerstones to build on for the future, and I really like the fact that they're, they went out and made some up- upgrades, but they also didn't mortgage the future draft capital. And I'm really looking forward to the way the, the young receivers are going to grow, and they're also going into this season healthier than they've ever been. Now, the question could be, should they have played more in the preseason or not? But I I wonder if going into the season healthier, because I believe they had five, six regulars out when they played Washington in game one last year. Mm-hmm. And they're only missing one regular potentially this year, Rodney McLeod. But, but will the idea that they're healthier, at least out of the gate... What was that, Brandon? Can you repeat chance in yeah. some of these these stretches of six games where where it looks like they could go two and four, or one and five. Yeah, I mean, certainly, Brandon. You look at that early part of the schedule, and it is it is difficult, and that's really going to be the area where you know it, it could make or break the Eagles. They start at Atlanta, San Fran at home, at Dallas on a Monday night, uh, Kansas City at home, at Carolina, and then Tampa Bay at home on a Thursday night. If you can get, honestly, if you can get two of those games, I'm pretty pleased with that. If you can start three and three, you're going to be in a really good position. Yeah. Yeah, and as far as the division, you talked about the splits. I think that's the conventional wisdom. I don't know if I like them to sweep any team in the division. I would be happy there going, going three and three with the home games versus the road games. And then can I can I see them winning two more games if I go two and four in this first stretch? I can. Yeah. And- uh, so, I mean, the Lions game, for sure, I would think, even though Jared Goff is is the Lions quarterback, and then... And then one of those other AFC games. So I yeah. I do see a path to seven wins and potentially more, but I think I'll stick with seven and the roster. Yeah. Seems to me to be exciting. No, I hear you, Brandon. I appreciate the call. And yeah, I mean that's part of it. And I kinda like the schedule being front loaded. Like I think if you have an opportunity to pull off an upset, I think your 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 chances to do it early are better than your chances to do it late. Because uh, the the better teams by the end of the season, they're loading up. They're going into playoff mode. Like, I don't know if the Eagles are going to be able to beat Tampa when they play them, but 
getting them early, relatively early in the season on a Thursday night at home is probably the most ideal situation you would have to have a chance at beating that team that is better than you and more talented than you. A team like San Francisco, who I'm high on this year, getting them week two in your home opener, I think that's a, a as good a chance as you're going to have to beat a team like that. You're not going to have a really a, a, as good an opportunity to beat those teams when they're really getting things together late in the season. Weird things happen early, and for the Eagles to maybe get those kind of chances at those better teams early in the season, I think are are is beneficial. I think it's better to play the good teams early than play the good teams late. And I love the fact that the Eagles um, end of their schedule is really loaded with this, the teams in this bad division. You got the jets in there. And if you get off to a good start, you're going to put yourself in a real uh, good position and a real uh, give yourself some real potential to rack up a, a better record than most people would expect. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. If you want to get in, Two one five five nine two nine four nine four, and I want to do the win totals real quick for the NFC South as we look at this division, one of the better divisions in football. We'll start with the Falcons. They have new head coach Arthur Smith taking over. They keep Matt Ryan. A lot of turnover there. They trade Julio Jones, but they kind of replace him by drafting Kyle Pitts, local kid, went to Abington, Archbishop Wood, and then uh, at Florida last year, best tight end of the draft. You don't often see tight ends go number four overall, but this kid is, you know, just that good by all reports. And uh, they still have some weaknesses on defense, but. They're an interesting team. The Falcons feel like a team that underachieves every year. It's kind of felt that way at least since they lost the Super Bowl in 2016. Now, I don't know if that was a Dan Quinn thing or if that's just like an organizational thing, but Arthur Smith, former coordinator with Tennessee, takes over now um, with the Falcons. They're over under here. Is it 7.5? Another one that I would not bet. I don't feel great about this either way. But I would go with the under if I had to choose. I think they're probably a seven-win team. What do you see here, Mike, with the Atlanta Falcons uh, in 2021? Yeah, I see him with uh, not much upside. I would take the under on this one, too. I feel pretty good about that. Um, Ryan could be cooked. I mean, you know, it's kind of like the same thing with, um, with we just talked about Fitzpatrick and what Big Ben's going through. Like, you know, he could have a period where he just, you know, his arm shot and he just, and he's just, you know, done. But it, it was, kind I, of, I, yeah, sorry. No, no, all I was going to say is it was kind of odd to me that, like, they traded Julio, but then they kept Matt Ryan. Like, if you're going like, to yeah. reload or rebuild, why don't you trade Matt Ryan and get assets back while you still can? Yeah, and we didn't even get to the defense yet. Yeah, their defense. Bad defense. Good. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll go under on that. Don't, I, I think they could go over, though. They could be an eight, nine win team. Um, but I'll go under there. Carolina. They're at seven and a half. I like Carolina. I like what Matt Rule's building there. Again, I don't feel strongly about this one because you just don't know what to expect from Sam Darnold. Is Sam Darnold just bad? Or was he bad because he was on the Jets? Like, there's, you know, the potential for both outcomes there because the Jets ruin everybody. I'll go over here. I don't feel great about it, but Carolina's a team I think could be better than people expect this year. Yeah, I think they... They played every game pretty hard. Like they were in every game, and um, yeah, Bridgewater held it back and just just weren't good enough. But 
I'll take the over on that. I'll ride it without. Yeah, I'll I'll take the over on that. Don't feel great about like I wouldn't wager on that one, but uh, that's one that I like. Now the Saints over under is at nine. Uh, we'll see how much you believe in your boy Jameis here, Mike. But nine is tough. Like Sean Payton's a good coach, but too much uncertainty with Jameis. I I think Jameis is endlessly entertaining. I don't know how he's going to do as the starting quarterback for a full season. Obviously, if he protects the ball, he can be a pretty good quarterback. Um, I'll take the under on the Saints at nine. I'll take the over. I think they're a really good team, really good roster. Good defense. Yeah, and, you know, the truth of it is they probably the last two seasons, I'd say, maybe even more, but definitely the last two seasons, they were held back by their quarterback. And, you know, they, they were in a tough spot. They couldn't just, like, kick him out the door. Yeah, and yeah, they were in touch because, yeah, you can't do that to a guy like Drew Brees. Yeah. I honestly don't love anything in this division as far as the win totals. If I had to give you a best bet, I would say it's the Saints under nine. Um, now, you look at the Bucks; They're at 11 and a half. I will take the over on that. But again, like I could see the Bucks kind of sleepwalk into a 10 and 7, 11 and 6 record, somewhat like they did last year. And... Uh, you know, kind of turning it on in the playoffs, but I'll 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 take the over. Um, but another one I don't feel incredibly strongly about. Yeah, I don't feel strong about this one too. But it, I would take the uh, the over. What's going to be interesting is we've we've never seen what a whole team of twenty two guys coming back looks like, right? Because um, you know we saw what the Eagles having like what like somewhere between fifty and seventy five percent of the Super Bowl team come back, and that was they were not the same players attitude was right no that's a, that's a good point but the difference yeah, is the goat. you have brady and I, I wanted to play some sound here because i don't know how at this point people can't love tom brady like i get you didn't like him in new england you don't like the whole patriot way and and the arrogance of that organization i get it people were worked up about the still worked up about the brady nick Foles no handshake at the end of the super bowl i don't care about that like should brady have shaken his hand probably should have should have done that it probably it was a bad look but that being said you know heat of the moment I do think it was funny that he also didn't shake his hand after the Chicago game last year where you know he forgot the down and distance and if you know maybe he forgot that yeah but um but Brady just since he has gone to Tampa I think is so entertaining and he's kind of had like the shackles taken off of him personality wise where you know he's always Kind of had a bit of a personality, but since he's in Tampa, he's having fun. I mean, he's walking off the boat parade, uh, you know, staggering around, incoherent. Who doesn't relate to that? I mean, everybody's been there a time or two. I mean, no shame in admitting that. Um, But Tom Brady, and part of the reason you like him is he's kind of... Uh, kind of views things the way we do. And uh, this was one thing that I thought was funny last week, where they did these joint practices with Tennessee... And Mike Vrabel, you know, is his boy. They played together in New England. Um, But, you know, you talk about busting stones. This was pretty funny when Brady was asked about uh, how he views Vrabel at this point in his coaching career. The Tennessee Titans are in town, coached by Mike Vrabel, who played with Tom Brady for eight seasons. Mike's kind of an ass if you get to know him. He went to Ohio State. You know, obviously I don't like him. another day. Go as hard as you can. It'll buy you another day. Don't Earn a right to be here. There's a, a healthy competition between us always, even though he's kind of fat and out of shape now. You know, physically, he's really declined to a pretty sad state. He's kind of fat and out of shape now. Physically, he's declined to a really sad state. 
Like, that's that's good trash talk there uh, between two friends. And this was another funny thing where, you know, so many rules in the NFL have been molded the offense. And you'd think, like, a quarterback would support these rules. But this was kind of like a roundtable discussion. I think it was Brady, Mike Evans, uh, Levante David. Um, they're sitting there talking about the rules. And here was Brady as an offensive player talking about how the rules have become way too lopsided in the offensive offense's favor. There, I think the one thing about football that's changed over the years, which I think is really hard for someone like me who's played a long time to watch, is like there, it's not being taught the right way. Like a quarterback should only throw the ball to certain places because your receiver is in danger of getting hit. For example, when I used to play against Ray Lewis, mm-hmm. I wouldn't throw the ball to the middle <laughs> of the field because he would – he he'd go after you, and he would hit like, and we didn't always have the biggest receivers, but he would hit them and knock them out of the game. Mm. And now, any every hard hit is a penalty on the defense. So I feel mm. like they penalize defensive players for offensive mistakes. Mm. So like, if a quarterback, I was watching the Chicago Bear game, <laughs> the, the, quarter, the like quarterback preach. messes up, doesn't see the blitzer, and or the line screws up. I don't know what happened. The quarterback or the line on offense, the defensive player comes in and hits him hard. And they throw a flag on the defense. So they've almost moved the protection of your opponent to you as opposed to where it should be, which is on yourself. Like if you're a quarterback, you got to protect yourself and your players. It shouldn't be the responsibility of your opponent to protect you. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a real – it creates really bad habits for players because – you feel like I can basically do anything. I could run and not slide. I can throw the, my receiver into any coverage and not have any repercussion for it. The only thing they're going to do is they're actually going to blame the defensive player mm-hmm. for making a good, solid hit, and now the defensive player is going to feel like, oh, I can't do that, mm-hmm. even though I feel like it was an offensive mistake. So in the end, I think it's a really disservice oh God, to the sport because yeah. the sport isn't being played at a high level mm-hmm. like I, I believe that it once was. It actually deteriorates because you're not teaching the players – the reasons and the fundamentals of what the sport should be. I love Levante David just like in the background, just like co-signing everything Brady's saying. And I love like I love a quarterback basically saying, yeah, I mean, I like when we could get hit harder. I like when, you know, the defenses were allowed to play. And that's great coming from a from a veteran quarterback. And it's true. And the NFL should re-examine some of the rule changes they made over the past few years. Cause it is like as Brady said, it's like there are so many instances where you see a safety lay down a hit and it's like the receiver ducks his head and there's helmet to helmet contact that's inadvertent. That's not the safety's fault. The quarterback shouldn't be throwing the ball into that area. The receiver should not be going to receive the ball like that. And it's a good point that it is incumbent on the offensive players to protect themselves. And I love Brady speaking out for defenses. No, I absolutely agree. And it's funny when you mentioned Levante David when um before the clip when you mentioned who's at this round table, kind of surprised he was like, you know, it's not often people are seeking Levante David takes. Yeah, the leader of the defense. I mean, it's like a Tampa Bay Ooh, Buccaneers. Over white. Uh, whatever. He's he was a rookie. Levante David's been there for a while now. Yeah. I believe he's drafted the same year as Michael Kendricks, which uh, I would have liked the Eagles to get Levante David. Yeah, he's been there a while. I, I don't. I have nothing against Levante David. I was. Just, you know, yeah, just found it surprising. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I I like that comment from Brady. I just I just think he's a likable guy. Like uh, this Tom Brady hate. You know, I talk about how sometimes I think the fa- cowboy hate can be overdone and bit phony. Mm-hmm. The Brady hate is absolutely phony. Like, there's no reason. There's no reason. I don't to, think they're phony. I think that people. I, I 
people do dislike him and some even hate him, but um, I, don't get I think they're wrong to. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't get it. 215-592-9494. When we get back, I do want to get to um, a college football controversy from Sunday night. Ill-advised comments made by a real creep. Totally me. unprompted. Yeah. And, and we'll get to... And and wait till you hear his excuse afterwards, where he's basically castigating the media for even broaching this uh, this subject, and that he's thinking people are unfairly making a thing of this. I think it was fair to make a thing of it. Uh, so we'll get to that when we return. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio ninety four WYP. Sports Radio ninety four WYP. I'm Tom Kelly. With you on a Tuesday morning, uh, Angelo, morning team, everybody back uh, today as we get set for Eagles-Falcons uh, this week. So make sure you're tuned in for the morning show. Nothing better than the week of a football season getting started. Just can't wait for Thursday night. Can't wait for Sunday. And, you know, we talk a lot about times of games. We're big night game guys on this show now. It doesn't seem like the Eagles will be playing a lot of night games this year, but one of my favorite, one, one of the biggest reasons why I like when the Eagles play at night is because it allows you to watch red zone during the day and gives you the full, you know, ability to watch every other game and stay interested. And, and, and it's why I love these, these night games. And there's nothing better than at one o'clock PM on a Sunday when you're settling in and Scott Hansen says, you're about to watch seven straight hours of uninterrupted NFL football. There is nothing better than that phrase being uttered. Uh, it is just tremendous and excited uh, for this Sunday, the full slate uh, of games. And we'll we'll get to our picks um, later on. We'll probably do that Thursday when I'm on after the Phillies game. So uh, the big week as football uh, gets back started. 215 592 Nine four nine four. If you want to get in now, that's NFL football. Now, college started this past weekend. An entertaining weekend of games. Um, as far as the big games went, uh, Penn State pulls off an upset over Wisconsin on the road. That was just a great, ugly Big Ten game. You know, both teams inept offensively. Wisconsin fumbling inside the five yard line. Inept kicking. Yeah, I mean that's what you. That's how. That's how I want my Big Ten football. You know, I don't want my Big Ten games ending 38-35. I want a little 16-10, you know, ugly slot, uh, you know, slot fest. So would you call this one a rock fight? I would call that a rock right. fight. That is the definition of a rock fight. And Wisconsin should have won that game. I mean, they kept kicking themselves in the, you know, in, in the new, you know, where down by the, down by the, the goal line. I don't know why I use that phrase. That's not really, doesn't really apply there. Shoot themselves, Shoot in, the themselves foot. in the foot is what I was looking for. Kicking themselves in the, you know. <laughs> Instead, I went with kicking themselves in the, you know, where. So uh, not probably the correct phrasing. Saturday night, a, 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 well, Saturday afternoon, by the way, do you, can we just give Alabama the championship right now. Bryce Young is the best quarterback they've ever had, I think. I'm willing to say that after one game. Wow. I mean, it's not Miami. Like, Miami's nothing special, but Bryce Young looked phenomenal. Like, that kid That kid is the real deal. Uh, am I going a little too far? I'm not there yet. I'll say that. Maybe, but, you know. And by the I'm way, you're down 27 nothing, Miami or 31 nothing, whatever. Don't bust out the turnover chain. 
Like they're busting out the turnover oh, really? chain. And then it got overturned, so they had to put it back in the box, <laughs> which was great. But Alabama just wrecked Miami. They they won 44-13. They could have won 65 nothing if they wanted to. Um but kind of let their foot off the gas pedal there. Saturday night if I was a Clemson fan, I'd be very concerned. Now, it's the ACC. They'll probably win that conference. They probably won't lose another game the rest of the year. But they play Georgia, and they have major offensive line problems. You saw it last year against Ohio State in the playoff game where they couldn't protect. Um, but also, when they did get protection, DJ, I, I'm not sure exactly how to say his last name, but Yugundule? It's, it, I don't I don't know exactly how to pronounce it. It's tough. Language. Ugo Underlayle. Yeah, it's 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 tough to pronounce. But he was bad. Like he was brutal on Saturday night. And maybe Trevor Lawrence is even better than we than we thought he was. Like they obviously lost Etienne as well. But they they couldn't do anything on offense. I mean, it was brutal to watch. Georgia's got a good defense, but um, I don't know. I don't know if Clemson. Uh, is a playoff caliber team this year. That being said, as I said, in the ACC, they'll probably get in because they probably won't lose again. It's better to lose early, but they look terrible Saturday night. Um, And then Sunday night, you had what I think was probably the best game of the weekend, Notre Dame-Florida State. Emotional night in Florida State as they're playing. uh, Coach Bobby Bowden passed away this week, and Florida State played with a lot of energy. Now, Notre Dame's ranked number nine. They led this game 38-20. to 20. Uh, Just a brutal beat for whoever had Notre Dame minus 7.5. I mean, not, not to say that I, I had it, but um, when Notre Dame goes up 38-20, to 20, you're feeling pretty comfortable about where you're at. They're the best How much time team. was left when that happened? 13 minutes. Yeah. So you're feeling pretty good. But Florida State fights back. Mackenzie Milton comes off the bench, who had... Played at UCF three years ago, suffered a gruesome like Alex Smith type injury. Hadn't played football since then. Came off the bench, led the Seminoles back uh, to tie this game at thirty-eight. It goes to overtime, and then you know college kickers, Florida State kid misses a kick in overtime. Notre Dame able to make the field goal to win at forty-one thirty-eight. Uh, I bet that's a future gripe from you coming later on. What could just college kickers? People, yeah, people, hey, college kickers. College football drives me crazy in general. Like the kids make dumb plays. The officiating is horrendous. Like if we think NFL officiating is bad, uh, college officiating is terrible. I don't. I don't agree with that. Really, it's in general, it's pretty fine. Like, I, how often do you notice college refereeing? I think it's pretty. I, I think it's bad personally. But um, and then a lot of the coaches make just stupid decisions. Like. It, yeah, I've, so some of the coaches are decent, but a lot of them just do dumb things. In college football, you have these kind of inexplicable comebacks a lot, which also, at the same time, makes it fun. But Notre Dame hangs on and wins this game. And then a very awkward moment in the post-game interview as Katie George on ABC, I guess she's now taking over the the Maria Taylor spot. Oh, yeah, that would that would have been the Maria Taylor spot. Yes, But she's interviewing Brian Kelly after the game. And uh, he made a joke that I thought was in pretty poor taste here. What do you think of your team's ability to withstand Florida State's impressive comeback? Yeah, uh, you know, I'm I'm in favor of uh, execution. Maybe, Maybe our entire team needs to be executed after tonight. Now, I saw that in real time, and I'm like, did he? 
he didn't just just say that, right? Like it just jumps to it. You can't say that. You can't say you're in favor of executing your football team, a roster that's playing for free for you. Yeah. Now, the story is, and and we'll play the cut in a minute, but I just to give you the context here. There's a famous quote from John McKay, who I feel I, I believe was a former, a longtime coach in the past, and he made this comment. Tampa, okay, uh, for Tampa Bay, right? And he was asked about what did you think of your team's execution, and he said, "I'm in favor of it." Now, in favor of his team executing on the field, okay? Like that's not, that's at least not what I thought Brian Kelly said. No, I don't. I don't think that it would. I think McKay's thing was like. It was like a tongue-in-cheek thing of like, yeah, you don't, you know, you want to execute the whole team, go for it. I now maybe I'm wrong, and and you know, if anybody can clarify this, I would love to get your take. I thought I thought that he was referring to I'm in favor of our team executing on the field. That's what I thought the history of hmm. the saying is, but maybe I'm wrong. But Brian Kelly and college, I I just I can't stand these college coaches because they are so friggin' arrogant. And Brian Kelly um, made a comment after the game. He's asked about, you know, the interview and what he said. And here was his uh, response uh, when asked about what he said in that interview. Oh, it's an old John McKay quote. I was kidding. It was tongue in cheek. It wasn't funny. It's, a, it's an old it's an old John McKay quote that he used after the game. Um, so I was I was talking and and you know, making a joke about it. Why it was taken serious. Are you people crazy? I'm sure. Not everyone knows us like knows you like we do, Brian. Oh, it's a John McKay (laughs) quote that he used after a game. I was stealing one of his old quotes and being funny. I guess nobody likes to be funny anymore. So yeah, if you wanna, you know, take me to town on that, please do. Like what a jerk. Uh, you can just hear the arrogance just like oozing out of Brian Kelly. Like uh, you can't say things like that. Okay. I don't think this is an outlandish thing. And I saw, you know, uh, of course, and and you get people coming out. Oh, everything's got to be political, politically correct. These days, this PC culture, he was making a joke about executing his players. This is not funny. Like that, that, that. Am I crazy, Mike, to think that that was wildly inappropriate of Brian Kelly to say? And, or am I just missing the missing the punchline here? No, and then like with how badly he botched it, just jumping to it, like unpromptedly jumped into it. Like if it's you like want, he wanted thing, if, to say it, yeah, right. It's like it was scripted to him. It um. Yeah, you know, it'd be one thing if like she slipped in the word execute, like, hey, you know, Brian, like, why got? How come the fourth quarter you didn't execute down the stretch? It's even then that would be a weird way to take it, but it's just, I to me that's what made it so awful, just the how unprompted it was. Yeah, and you just hear the way he talks. It just like you just feel gross listening to Brian Kelly, and it's the way you feel about a lot of these college coaches. Is college coaches are just like to me, the most unsavory people in sports, like whether it's high-level college basketball, high-level college football, they're all sleazeballs. They all think they're better than everybody else. And it's just like, ugh. 
I feel like I need a shower after listening to Brian Kelly defend his his ridiculous explanation. One uh, of my least favorite things in life is when someone thinks they're funny and they're not. Well said, Paul. Yeah, I agree with that. No, uh, when you brought up the Mary Taylor thing, it reminded me of was it last year? Maybe last year? Maybe a couple of years ago? He uh, Saban was just yelling at her, "Quit asking me!" Because I'm not, I'm <laughs> yeah, not telling yeah, you or whatever. Yeah, they're just such jerks. Like, stop taking yourself so serious. What's up, Coach O? Yeah, well, Coach, did you see what he did? Yelling up at the guy. He's nah. walking into the stadium, and uh, somebody's yelling down at him, and he's like, "You come see me in your sissy blue shirt." <laughs> uh, so we'll get to Coach O because I, I, I. I Glossed over, as you heard, I did kind of the recap of college football. There was another notable result Saturday night that I did gloss over that we'll get to a little bit in the next segment because, uh, and I got to get to my issue that I'm having with with our buddy Roadshow Porter, who was taking victory laps. Oh, another beef? Yeah, on Saturday night because his boy finally did something notable for the first time in seven years. So we'll get to that uh, when we return here. 215 592 Nine four nine four. We also do our over unders for the NFC North. Uh, so that's coming up next. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio ninety four WIP. Sports Radio ninety four WIP. I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Graham on a Tuesday morning. If you want to get in two one five five nine two nine four nine four is how you join the show. Uh, talking about the Eagles uh, mainly tonight as we're leading up to the season and. Obviously, um, stay tuned to WIP all week. It'll be a big uh, Eagles uh, prep week as we get ready for Eagles-Falcons this Sunday, 1 o'clock, right here on WIP. But talking about this team and what's reasonable to expect from them this year. And we'll go through the whole schedule. We'll do the wins and losses exercise tomorrow night. Um, But I think, you know, 8 to 10 wins is more than more than reasonable to expect from this team. When you look at what they've done in the offseason, and I think this is an area where the Eagles have navigated things very well this offseason, where you look at, at the end of the season, after that Washington game, a lot of the talk was about how poor of a position this team appeared to be in long-term. And... That was the main objective is how are we going to fix our long-term issues and how are we going to put ourselves in a position where we can uh, fix a lot of our problems beyond next season? And they were able to do that in a productive way. You're able to improve your draft collateral situation uh, significantly. First, you're able to get the pick from the Colts, uh, two picks from the Colts, you know, of, of a third and likely a first for Carson Wentz. In that trade, you also get rid of that salary down the line, which is something that was necessary. You're able to trade back from 6-12, to add another first-round pick, and still get the guy that I think they wanted all along anyway in Devontae Smith. And the Eagles did a very good job in that regard of fixing their long-term issues because after this year, you look at the draft, pick situation that they have. You look at the salary cap space that they will have. They pretty much have the the option to do whatever they want. Like they can go a bunch of different ways. If Jalen Hurts is the guy, great. Then you have all of these avenues that you can go out and fix the rest of the roster and improve the rest of the roster 
much like you had going into 2017, where you had the quarterback on a rookie deal, you had cap space to go spend on free agency, and the Eagles were able to hit on many of those free agents. So you'd be able to do that. Now, if Jalen Hurts shows he isn't the guy, then you have these draft picks, you have the salary cap space, all of this ammunition to go get your future quarterback. So improving the long term was necessary, and the Eagles did that well, but they were also able to improve in the short term. And that's something that I really didn't see coming and and something that we figured, okay, well, if they're going to correct their long-term issues, 2021 is going to be somewhat of a tank year. And I think that's what a lot of people believed, but certainly the Eagles are not are not handling it that way. When you look at them bringing back a guy like Zach Ertz not moving on, when you look at some of the signings on the defensive side of the ball, Eric Wilson, Anthony Harris, two veterans on one-year deals. You bring in Ryan Kerrigan, you know, if you're bringing in a veteran like Ryan Kerrigan on a one-year deal, you're expecting him to help you win football games this year. And um, the way they were able to balance the short-term and long-term objectives and correct those issues, um, I think was something the Eagles did very well uh, this past offseason. So talking about that and what's reasonable to expect from this team this year, I think 8-10 to 10 and being in the mix late in the season is more than reasonable to expect. Also, the Phillies, we'll get more into the Phillies uh, before we get out of here, as Zach Wheeler, uh, a, a true ace outing from him on Monday afternoon in Milwaukee. Phil's back in action tonight, 740, right here on WIP. But I did need to get to one more thing from the college football weekend, and this kind of spurred a an argument that I was having with our, our, our great social media director here at the station, Andrew Porter, who um, was taking victory laps on Saturday night as LSU goes on the road and they get beaten by UCLA. And obviously I am not a fan of the UCLA Bruins. I don't want that team to have success because I cannot stand the head coach of that team, Chip Kelly. And, you know, it's funny because I saw all of this stuff uh, over the weekend. I go to the ESPN and their headline, their top headline on the college football page is basically asking the question, is Chip Kelly back? And I would say, if that's true, it's about damn time. The guy hasn't done anything notable in seven years. I mean, where has Chip Kelly been for the last six years? He goes to San Francisco, disaster there. You say, How long has he been at UCLA for now? Three. This is year four? But he had a gap year, right? He did. I think 2017 he took off. So great, he had plenty of time to watch the Eagles win a Super Bowl without him. I must. I'm sure that must have really, uh, must have really gone over well uh, with Chip. But great, he wins a game at UCLA. They beat LSU. I guess it's an impressive victory, even though LSU wasn't all that good last year. No. But, but I get in this argument with Porter because he's crowing about about Chip. And basically saying, we owe a lot of the success in 2017 to Chip Kelly. And I'll I'll just say full stop on that as a social media type thing. You see people say that sometimes. That's a full stop. That's what I'm doing on that. We're not going to do this. Where we're giving Chip Kelly credit Here's what we're not going Here's what we're not going to do, okay? I mean, I love Porter, but you give it up with Chip. I mean, between Porter and Gus, I mean, these guys, just give it up, okay? 
the guy is not a good uh, a good coach. He, I guess, can be a good recruiter, even though he hasn't really recruited well at UCLA over the past couple years. But this idea that Chip Kelly deserves any credit for helping build the 2017 Eagles could not be further from the truth. I mean, Howie Roseman built that team in the 2016-2017 offseason. And really, 2013-14 as well. And Chip doesn't get credit for that. I mean, Chip's offseason was 2015. That was the one that he was in charge for. And I and this kind of goes back to the revisionist history with Howie and how people just want to point out the bad, and they're certainly bad, but there's also good. Like, you can't rip him for 2014 and the Marcus Smith draft pick and then not give him credit for signing Malcolm Jenkins that same year, which ended up being a game-changing move for this organization. You know, 2013, Lane Johnson and Zach Ertz, those are... Those are Howie Roseman selections. Those are not Chip Kelly selections. And, you know, he did a tremendous job of, of building that team and I think did a good job of, of rebuilding things this year. But what do you think about that, Mike? I mean, the idea that Chip deserves credit for 2017, it's just not not based in any sort of reality whatsoever. No, I mean, he only deserves like like 3% credit. Like that uh, doesn't sound like nearly as much as... Uh... Roadshow was suggesting. No, Roadshow was saying, you know, and then I, I got into something and I, I, I basically told Roadshow I love him, but he's delusional. And he said, I'm the delusional one. And, you know, we, we didn't really, it didn't really take any, uh, any more of a turn from that. Did but, you, did you guys throw a uh, fire exclamation points back and forth? We did not. It was no. So I think it was a pretty serious argument because no exclamation points were thrown <laughs> in there. Um, but yeah, that Chip Kelly deserving credit for 2017 stop. And, and, you know, if you want to, if you want to chime in on that, whether you think Chip deserves any credit, uh, you're welcome to. But I, I certainly, I certainly don't see it that way. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. I want to do our over unders now for the NFC North. We'll start with the Packers. Packers over under ten and a half wins this year, coming off uh, a really good season. I think they were thirteen and three. Uh, obviously. A disappointing loss in the conference championship game. Still don't know what uh what Lafleur was doing with that um with that decision to kick the field goal on fourth uh, goal fourth and goal in the championship game. There you go, Steve. By the way, Stephen A. We'll, we'll, hopefully, we'll get to some sound um before we get out of here. Stephen A. has met his match on first take because they have this kind of revolving door of hosts now. They have Tebow on Fridays, which is like, whoa. I can't imagine that being good. Do we got to keep giving Tim Tebow jobs? Like, I, I just, I, I'm sorry. I just, uh, I can't take. Like, is, is he ready to step into, like, Stephen A's arena? No. And, like, go toe-to-toe with him? No, but the man who is was on on Monday. Mondays with Stephen A and the Playmaker. That is, that is, that is good television right there. And we have a snippet from that that we'll play before we get out of here. It's basically just those two yelling at each other. It's great stuff. I, I've become I've become a big fan of Michael Irvin over the years since he stopped playing and came in media. He's he's endlessly <laughs> oh my God. He's gave all the guy. buddy fans heart attacks. Oh, I oh I love it. I love Michael Irvin. He's he's hilarious. Um, but Stephen A. and Michael Irvin on Monday, I might have to re- start recording first take and watch it. You know, watch it the next morning when I get home. Or you can you know join the podcast world and listen to podcast of it. I could, but I, you, you got to see the theatrics. Oh, ah, yeah. You got to yeah. you got to watch the. The, the 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 actual footage to get the full 
argument. But uh, Packers, 10.5. This one's kind of tough because I could see them having kind of a weaker regular season. I don't feel extremely strongly about this one, but if I had to bet, I'd go Packers over 10.5 this year. I'd go under. This Rodgers thing's pretty weird. It's actually, it's like, it's a, uh, it's the Zach Ertz thing on steroids. It is weird, but like, I don't know. I just have trouble seeing that team not win 11 games. Yeah. Especially in that division. Yeah. But, um, as far as the other teams in the division, Vikings eight and a half, the Vikings are another weird team where they have a really talented defense, but they're one of these COVID teams. I think you're two like COVID teams right now are the Colts and the Vikings with, Dealing with unvaccinated players. The quarterbacks of both teams are not vaccinated. And this could be an issue. Lamar's in there too, right? Who? Who? Lamar Jackson. Yeah, Lamar Jackson as well. Um, but like the Colts and Vikings have like notable amounts of players who are not vaccinated. And obviously with the number the two protocols, right? Um, that could uh that could play into it as well. Uh they're at eight and a half. Man, this one's really tough because I think they are legitimately an eight or nine win team. Mm. Um, if I had to bet on it, I, I, I'd go. I think I'd go over. I think I'd go nine wins for the Vikings. Whew, that'd be. They're t- like. I think it's more likely they finish under five hundred than over. So I'd go under. They're. I don't know how like if I don't know if Dalvin Cook could have another year of like being that like workhorse like with that kind of load again and that kind of uh, responsibility. So until I'm not going to expect that to happen. I'll go under under. Okay. Yeah. So you go under on that. Uh, the lions they're over under is at five. I actually thought that was a, a bit high. Um, I, I, I will say, I think the bashing of Jared Goff has gotten a little bit out of control. Like he's not certainly not great, but I think it's been, overstated like how horrendous Jared Goff is I don't think he's like you know this just god-awful quarter like Nate Peterman like no I mean yeah. the, the guy was uh, they were competitive in a divisional round game in Green Bay where Jared Goff was playing injured because they couldn't right. their backups were so bad so I don't think he's god-awful he's that, won road playoff games in the Superdome and in Seattle yeah like I mean he had I think a lot of it's colored by the fact that he had just a horrific Super Bowl performance. And a lot of people still have that in their minds from that Super Bowl 53. Um, but, you know, he's better than people expect. I think that team will play hard, but I, I still see them under five. I think they're probably like a four-win team. Uh, yeah, I agree. They're, I mean, it's, it's really not a talented roster. Like, actually, when we were looking at the fantasy stuff, or when I was looking at the fantasy stuff, they have no receivers. Like, they do not have many pass catchers. Right. Yeah, and no, they they don't, and they lose Kenny Galladay, who was their best player, best receiver. Uh, now he's in New York, so yeah, I, I don't see much ceiling for the the Lions there. And then you got the Bears, and I'm giving you a best bet in each division. This is my best bet, and I would venture to say potentially a stone cold mortal lock, as Howard would say in the NFC North. The Bears are at seven and a half over under. I think that is just an obvious under. They have an offensive line that is in shambles. They can't block anybody. They're starting Jason Peters at left tackle. Jason Peters, great eagle, 71 should be retired. Jason Peters can't play anymore. I mean, we saw that last year. The guy just flat out cannot play. They're starting the season with Andy Dalton for 
whatever reason. And, you know, Jeff Saturday uh, was on um, ESPN, uh, former NFL lineman and analyst, and talked about, you know, this Bears decision to start the season with Andy Dalton over Justin Fields and how they can turn guys off in that locker room. If I'm in the Chicago Bears locker room, I am pissed. Yeah. Listen, (laughs) you know, you know who helps us win the game. Bottom line, man, this ain't about organizational future. I'm not a general manager. I'm not, my job is to, is to play good football yeah. and get paid on Tuesday because I earned it on Sunday or Monday. That's my job. Your job as a coach is to put the best 11 on the field. You know who the best 11 is? Justin Fields is one of them. Yeah. So put him on the field and give us a chance. Look, I, I hear all the arguments if you're the, the GM or, or the owner of the team of why you would do it. If you you're a player, you know it. it's not for long in the NFL, and Justin Fields gives us a chance to make the playoffs. That's the truth of it, and he does make up for this offensive line. And listen, for what they cannot do, they at least have a 1,000-yard rusher. You blend that with being able to boot, waggle, and run nakeds both ways, and you give this offense a chance to put up points. That is the way they'll win games. This is not a shot on Andy Dalton. No. This is a locker room issue, and I'm telling you, if I'm sitting in there. I'm going to the coach's office. I'm going to let him know. Khalil Mack, go let him know. Right. That defense who can win games, go let him know because the truth has been seen by the players. And, you know, I, I do think it doesn't make much sense to me for them to start Andy Dalton. Like, just start Justin Fields and play your guy, play your young rookie who you think has some has some serious potential here. And I just think the Bears are going to be a disaster this year. So seven and a half, I think is just a really high total for them and doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I will go under, and I don't know if this is a prop that can be bet anywhere. And, you know, I don't know if you, if you would have the answer to this, Mike, but I think a good bet would be Matt Nagy for first coach fired this season. I think that is a a very good bet. They have a difficult schedule early on. They get off to a bad start. You could see Matt Nagy fired, and I think Ryan Pace will be soon out the door after him, even though I think Justin Fields was the right move for them. They haven't had a quarterback in forever, and they needed to take a shot with somebody. But I think they're – I think they're they're – their thinking was flawed. I think basically Nagy and Pace drafted Justin Fields in a desperate attempt to to save their jobs. Um, but I don't know. I, I just don't believe it's going to work out. And I think Matt Nagy is the first coach to be fired. Uh, could be a good bet this year. I think Mike Zimmer is a good one, too. He's plus 1,000. Zimmer? Yep. Huh. I'm, bad start. I feel like that's like a job Zimmer. Like, I'd be scared to fire Mike Zimmer. If I was like the general manager, Mike Zimmer's just the guy that inspires fear. Uh, but I guess, you know, you got to do what you got to do. Uh, you know what? Another good one's Fangio. Fangs. Yeah, maybe that, maybe maybe Fangs does get Fangs. wrong. Fangs. I, I, uh, I, I think that's his nickname. Um, but uh, the Broncos are an interesting team. We'll, we'll probably get to the AFC uh, more tomorrow uh, if we can't get, get to all of them tonight. But we'll continue with the over-unders here uh, before we get out of here. 215 592 9494 if you want to get in 215-592-9494. Uh when we get back, I did want to talk a little bit about the Phillies as they 
uh, win game one of their series in Milwaukee on Monday. We'll do that next. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Here's the pitch. And a swing and a drive. Well hit left field. This one's got a chance. Yelich looks up. It's gone. Gene Segura with a grand slam. And how's that for a capper on the day? Phillies blowing it open here in the eighth inning as they now lead the Brewers 11 to nothing. Well, that was nice to see on Monday afternoon. Scott Fransky, Kevin Franz in the call right here on WIP as the Phil's an offensive explosion. Bryce setting the tone early with a two-run homer in the first. Um, and then that was Gene Segura a little later on who wanted that baseball. He immediately was looking for that baseball uh, as it's his first major league grand slam, which kind of surprised me. I mean, Segura's been around for a little bit. Not a guy that hits for a ton of power, but I don't know. You would have expected he'd hit a grand slam uh, by this point in his career. But... Um, Nice to see, and I got to tell you, I didn't see this coming. I mean, I was doing leading off yesterday afternoon, and I'm looking at this game and the pitching matchup, and I'm thinking, what was on the menu? What was, uh, yep. What's on the? Is it what's on the menu or uh, no? What to watch for? What to watch for? Sponsored by Xfinity, of I'm course. Uh, no problem. Um, I had picked Freddie Galvis as my leader of the night. I don't know how Freddie fare. I I don't think he did really anything notable. He homered. Oh, he, that's right. He did homer. So. Not a bad pick by me there, I guess. Um, but uh, I, 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 if you pick a guy who homers, give yourself credit. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate that. I, I don't often get credit from you, but uh, I appreciate it very much. Hey, I didn't say you're going for me. I'm saying give yourself credit. Okay. I, well, I'll give myself credit. A little, uh, you know, uh, for my own mental health, I need to, you know, encourage myself from time to time because I have such negative thoughts uh, frequently. Um, but. Uh, Freddie goes deep, and uh, as I said, I didn't see this one coming. My analysis of this game, this is where I won't give myself credit and call myself an idiot. I'm doing leading off, and I'm thinking, okay, Woodruff on the mound. The formula to a victory is scratch out a couple runs, and Wheeler holds them down. Maybe you win a 3-2 ball game. Um, But the Phil's an offensive explosion when they needed it, and these are the kind of games that are are nice to watch, but at the same time are, are kind of frustrating. Because it's like, why couldn't you do this kind of thing in Miami over the weekend? And why can't you, why can't you do this against bad teams? And the Phillies are a team that seems to play to the level of their competition quite a bit. Like a couple weeks ago, you go into San Diego, you win two of three right after you get swept in Arizona, and that has got to stop. Like the Phillies need to start taking advantage and beating the bad teams because they got a lot of bad teams remaining on the schedule here as we look uh, toward the end of the season. But offense was obviously huge in this one, but a real big part of this game, and what was encouraging to see, was a real bounce-back effort from Zach Wheeler, who has been leaking a little bit of oil lately. You know, he's the innings count is getting up there, um, especially after a shortened season last year. A lot of wear and tear on a guy like Zach Wheeler, and I'd spoken to Kevin Franza before the game when I was on yesterday, and Kevin said, yeah, I'm concerned about Zach Wheeler in the innings count. I mean, it's over 100 innings increase from last year, uh, obviously with the shortened season, and you wanted to see him get back 
uh, to being the guy we saw the first half of the year because the or the Phillies are going to need him to be that guy. Like, let's face it, the Phillies are going to need to win every time Zach Wheeler takes the mound down the stretch. Here was Joe Girardi after the game on uh, the performance from his starter. Yeah, I thought he threw the ball extremely well. Um, was in command of the strike zone the whole day. T- whole day, and, and as I've said, you know. His last couple starts are some plays that we could have made that we didn't that probably led to some runs uh, for him. And, you know, I, I feel good every time he takes them out because he's just he's got really good stuff. And I thought he used his curveball really well, his cutter really well today, too. And, you know, having commanded that curve, having commanded that cutter, very important for Wheeler to be able to mix up those pitches and utilize uh, a lot of his different pitches, especially late in the season as you may see a dip in velocity, especially as he gets deeper into games. And one of the things that the Phillies will look to do is preserve Zach Wheeler as best they can. I mean, it's difficult when you get to this point in the year because there is such a high amount of of wear and tear already on him, and the Phillies need him badly. But here is Joe Girardi when asked about how the team is looking to monitor Wheeler's workload. And it it just... Just to clarify, 100, it's not a hard and fast number. It could be a, no. a tick, or, tick or two over. Yeah, there. yeah it's, not, it's not a hard and fast number. But that's, you know, that's kind of the point that baseball is used, right? right. You know, so that's kind of what we're using this time of year. I mean, I'm right. not going to take him out with two outs and, you know, in the seventh inning and he's at 99 pitches. Right. I got you. Get him out in one pitch. And, you know, that was basically a bad joke by Girardi at the end there. But basically that they're trying to keep Wheeler around 100 pitches as best they can. And they don't want to, you know, have him going into the 110s. And and you can't really do that at this point in the year. You need him to be out there and you need to keep him healthy. I mean, you can't have Zach Wheeler going on the IL for overuse in September. I'm just uh, I'm laughing at the question because like can you imagine if Girardi just like popped down the mound if he got to exactly 100 pitches? Yeah, that would, yeah, it's that like would. an 0-2 count with two. Yeah, like, yeah. Why would like, yeah? Why would it be hard? Get, get Hector. Yeah. Um, but uh, here's more from Girardi on uh, how they're they're kind of approaching Wheeler's workload. Joe, just ha- how important is it to make sure that Zach's that you can get Zach to the finish line with when you look at the rest of the rotation right now? It's extremely important. I mean, we, you know, we need his A stuff every time he goes out and that's not easy for any pitcher. Right. Um, but we're, we're doing everything we can to, to give him an opportunity to do that. And he's taking care of himself. He's worked his tail end off to get to this point and he'll continue to do that, but we just got to make sure that we don't push him too hard. And I know people don't like the manager speaking. I, Hey, I have, I think Girardi, in many ways, has handled this pitching staff with kid gloves way too often. But in this case, I agree. Like, in this case, you need to be judicious about how you're using Zach Wheeler here because of how important he is to your team and because of how much you're going to need him. Here's more uh, from Girardi on needing Wheeler healthy down the stretch. Oh, I think I probably could have sent him out there if I really, really needed to. Um but again, Joe, just ha- how important is it to make sure that Zach's that you can get Zach to the finish line with when you look at the rest of the rotation right now? It's extremely important. I mean, we you know we need his A stuff every time he goes out, and that's not easy for any pitcher, right? Um, but we're we're doing everything we can to to 
give him an opportunity to do that. And he's taken care of himself. He's worked his tail end off to get to this point, and he'll continue to do that. But we just got to make sure that we don't push him too hard. Uh, and the the Phillies will need to, uh, you know, keep monitoring Wheeler here as we move forward. Here's one more, as Joe Girardi was asked about whether it was tough uh, to take Wheeler out in what at the time was a four only a four run game. It's a balancing act, and and you have to to balance things out. I felt really good about Hector pitching today. I had Alvy, you know, set up that he was going to you know, pitch the eighth if it was still four to nothing. And I felt good about that. I could have used Kennedy today. Some guys I'm trying to stay away from today. And fortunately, we were able to do a lot of that. But I felt good about what we had. And, you know, Girardi talks about there feeling good about what he had. And and one of the guys he had at his disposal was Hector Neris. And Hector Neris has bounced back from a rough stretch. You know, he had a rough go of it in the closers role and since being moved to this middle relief role has really seemed uh, to thrive a bit. Kind of a <laughs> got jacked up after getting that final strikeout in the seventh. Did you see Vogelback, uh, by the way? They they uh, zoomed in. And by the way, Vogelback might be my favorite. Yeah, I remember. Philly in the, I just love the look of this guy. He, I mean, he's a beer league softball player playing in a major league game. I was trying to figure out why a team would ever want. Why do you need both Vogelbach and Rowdy Telez on the same team? Like, aren't a lot of lot of beef there. Same player, players. yeah. Um, but Vogel, did you see when they zoomed in on him after the strikeout? He seemed to like not like Hector, uh, being acting like he just won the World Series. Kind of it was it was four nothing. It wasn't one nothing. Yeah, yeah, but if you get a chance to see the replay, check out the the close-up on Vogelbach because he, I don't think he, he said some not nice words uh, about Hector celebrating in that spot, but here's Girardi on how important Neris has been of late. Well, extremely important. And he's been extremely impressive uh, what he's done. Um, you know, he had a month that just nothing went right for him and there was a ton of frustration and, you know, he made a, a slight adjustment with Caleb and he's been really good. Uh, can't say enough about what he's done for us. And, you know, some guys, I don't know what it is, but some guys just are better in a middle relief role than a closers role. And I kind of think Hector Neris fits the bill a little bit in that in that regard where I don't know if it's something that gets in his head, but he's just not all that reliable in the closers role. But you look at him in a middle relief role, he's been he's been really effective for this team. And getting Ian Kennedy... Um, to close games theoretically. I mean, Girardi doesn't bring him in all the time in those closing situations, but Hector in those middle relief kind of as a setup man has been very valuable. And now you look to today and Aaron Nola going out once again in a big game on Tuesday night. Now, I would love to believe that Aaron Nola is going to go out and pitch well and get the job done that being said, there's very little reason for me to believe that that is actually going to happen. Like, I just, I've kind of given up on this this idea that Nola's going to get it together this year. It's just not going to happen. Um, and I've been critical of him prior to this year, thinking he's a little, uh, been a little overrated by us here in Philadelphia. But this year, he's just been bad. I mean, he's just been flat out bad. And 
You know, he bristled when asked about the September struggles last week. This isn't even about the September struggles. This is just about a guy having an absolutely horrendous season. And um, I don't have a whole lot of confidence that Aaron Nola is going to figure this thing out, but they need him to. I mean, let's face it. If this team... He Aaron Nola could be the difference between this team going to the playoffs and not going to the playoffs. Like, he needs to go out and give them five good starts. Can he string together five good starts and put this team in a position? I feel good when Wheeler goes out. You feel pretty good when Gibson goes out. Same thing with Ranger, even though, you know, Ranger dealing with a little triceps issue now, so he can't go as deep into games um, as he was able to uh, prior. But uh, Nola has got to be better, and he has got to be somewhat reliable. You're already dealing with issues in the fifth in the fifth spot in the rotation, which I'm sure Girardi, whenever he gets an opportunity to skip that spot, he will. I mean, not a lot of off days uh, looking ahead toward the end of the season. Um, but another big spot for Aaron Nola. Uh, we'll see how he responds on Tuesday night. 215-592-9494. I do want to uh, do the, uh, the over-unders for the NFC West real quick, as this is... One of the best divisions in football. I think you can say probably the best division. We'll start with the team who's got the lowest over-under. And this, I would say, is my best bet in this division as well. I'll just start off with the best bet. But Arizona's got the lowest over-under. And their over-under's 8.5. Which, uh, for a fourth team in the division, that's incredibly high. I like Kyler Murray a lot. But I'm not a huge fan of Cliff Kingsbury. I kind of think this could be it for Kling- for uh, Kingsbury. If they don't get to the playoffs this year, I could see maybe even a mutual parting of the ways. I just think he's kind of a guy who fits better in college uh, than he does in the NFL. And in that division, man, I have a hard time seeing that team get the nine wins. I'm taking the under on the Arizona Cardinals this year. Love it. I'm uh, telling you. You're telling me on that? Yep. And I don't think they're bad. I just think in that division, it's it's going to be really a rough go of it for them to get the nine. Well, I don't see where the nine wins are coming from. Yeah, I'm not sure Murray's good yet. He, I like he looked good at times. but then, you know, and, He was banged up at the end of last right, year. Right, the shoulder, and I think he had a leg injury. So, you know, I'll, I'll keep that in mind. But I he just may not be um, – I mean, that is a really tough division. Like, really, really tough. And yeah. Seattle's defense was awesome down the stretch last year. Um. So, you know, maybe they can add, add to that. And then I think the Ram- – well, we'll get to the other teams. Yeah. I'll, I'll well, say under on this one. Well, let's look at Seattle here next. That You brought them up. This one, I think, is is almost completely unbettable. Their over-under is not at a half. It's at 10. And I think they land right on 10. Like, I think mm-hmm. they're, they're probably about a 10-win team. If anything, I'd say under because I don't see them getting to 11. I could see right. them winning 8 or 9. Um you know, they, they they fire Brian Schottenheimer. They have a new coordinator in there now. Uh, Russell Wilson is still fantastic. Um, I think they're kind of what they are, though, what they've been, which is a pretty good team. They're probably a wild card team, but probably not a threat to really do much in the playoffs. Uh, I'm interested, interested to see if their offense looks, like how different it looks, because I think they brought in one of the one of McVay's guys, and um, I forget his name, but like they just want Wilson to have like quick action stuff because you know that O line and 
He's never really had that. He's always had like to create something out of nothing. Right. Yeah, I agree. This next one is another tough one. Um, they're one of the most interesting teams in the league this year, the Rams, where they bring in Stafford, and hey, they are putting a lot of stock in this Goff to Stafford change here. And they are, you know, basically banking on this being a massive upgrade. I think it's an upgrade. I don't think it's as significant as most people do. Like, as I said earlier, I think uh, a lot is been a little overblown as far as how bad Jared Goff is just like I think a lot's been overblown about how good Matthew Stafford is I think Stafford's a decent quarterback but I don't know if he takes your team Mm -hmm. to like a a Super Bowl level and you look at that roster Mike they have a lot of like top-end talent like a lot of Ram like they have Ramsey they have Aaron Donald but you look at the rest of the roster a a lot of a lot of holes and a lot of them banking on on, you know, some of these lesser-known guys to really step up. Ten and a half, I, I, I wouldn't bet it either way. If anything, I might I might slightly go under. I think they're probably a 10-win team. I think I'll go over. Because really, 10, 10 wins is... Like, they're too good to only be three games over 500. Like, you know what I mean? If you think of it that way. Uh, I think they're really good. And to me, like, the Stafford thing, if you just ask yourself, um, like that Packers playoff game... I, the way I remember that game is it was it wasn't as close as the score suggested. Um, like they didn't really compete and have a chance in that game. But if Matt Stafford's in that game, then they they did they would have had a shot to win that. And then you know you look you look up and they're in the NFC title game. So I I do think it is a pretty significant upgrade. Fair, and they're going to be an interesting team to watch this year uh, for sure. And then the last team in the division, San Francisco, they're over under set at ten and a half. And I really like this San Francisco team this year. I mean, they were ravaged by injury last year. As bad as the Eagles have had it last couple of years, San Francisco had it worse last year than any team I've seen. Now, they get Jimmy G back, who I like better than most. I think, you know, we're having a completely different conversation about Jimmy Garoppolo if the Niners get a stop on third and 14 in the Super Bowl. Mm. Like, Jimmy Garoppolo is a Super Bowl winning quarterback if that happens. Now, well, he's two rings. Right, he won one as a backup in New England, but no, two, one, two, right, one, two rings. Okay, gotcha. But like, as good as I, and I, and I think he, but I have no delusions about what Jimmy Garoppolo is. I don't think he's a top ten quarterback, but with a good roster, which I think that team has with a good defense, I think he's capable of of having you compete for a Super Bowl. We've seen him do it before. That being said. I think we're going to see something very similar to what we saw in 2012 with the Niners, where, remember, they're going through the season, and they're winning games, and Alex Smith is winning games and playing reasonably well, but at some point... uh yeah, concussed. Jim, Jim Har- right, he gets concussed, and Jim Harbaugh, though, I think was waiting for the opportunity to put Kaepernick in and unlock that offense. I think you could see a similar situation with Trey Lance this year, whether it's due to injury whether it's just they believe Trey Lance can give them um, an extra element. And I'm not really putting my faith here in Trey Lance. I'm putting my faith in Kyle Shanahan. I think Kyle Shanahan's a tremendous coach. I like that defense. I like the over here a lot at 10.5 with the 49ers. And I think I think they're going to end up winning that division. Yeah, I'll go over on this one too. I, I agree. They're very solid roster. And I think getting Bosa back is huge. 
Like he he's a monster, man. I mean, he he was gonna be if the Niners won that Super Bowl, he would have been the MVP of that game. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good. Point. I didn't think of that. Yeah, but uh, yeah, just he's kind of like the impact we were talking uh, about with Stafford. Like it's that much of a difference. Yeah. So uh, that that's the over unders for the NFC West. Maybe we'll get a couple AFCs in here. We won't be able to do all the divisions, but um, whatever we don't get to, we'll get to on the show tomorrow. Two one five five nine two. 9494 if you want to get in. Uh, also, before we get out of here, I want to address some interesting comments made um, by Dallas Goddard on Monday talking about his contract situation and uh, this Eagles tight end situation uh, kind of takes another turn here. So we'll get to that when we return. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you for a few more minutes here before we talk to Al for the overlap show. If you want to get in, time to get in a few more calls. 215-592-9494. Band cutting off rather abruptly there. Uh, but talking about the Phillies as they um, get the win 12 nothing over the Brewers on Monday on Labor Day. In Milwaukee now, a game and a half out in the NLE. So Phil's very much in the mix. Also talking about the Eagles and what's reasonable expect from them this year. I think eight to ten wins and being in contention the last few weeks of the season. If the I'll be very disappointed if we're getting down to the last two three weeks and the Eagles aren't very much in the mix in the NFC East uh, with the fate of their season in their hands. I mean, when you look at the fact that their last four games are all in the division, five of their last six are in the division, um, you know, that is a situation where if they're in in the mix, they should be able to control their own destiny. And I'll be disappointed if that's not the case. I think in this division, this team should be able to compete and compete at a high level. We'll go through the schedule more tomorrow night. Uh, do our W's and L's um, and look at all that uh, on the show tomorrow. But one of the more interesting kind of storylines to watch this year and situations to watch is what happens at tight end. We finally heard from Zach Ertz last week uh, after his silence all training camp. And I mean, Zach Ertz handling things like a pro, you know, uh, obviously there was a disagreement in the offseason with him and the organization and what he felt he was entitled to and what the organization felt was best for them. And a, a lot of things went down. Zach Ertz wanted out or a new contract. Neither happened. And they kind of came to an understanding. And Zach Ertz is coming back and, and being a professional. And that's exactly what you'd expect from a guy of his stature and a leader like Zach Ertz, who notably, I, I did want to mention this, he was not named a captain of the team, which I found a little odd uh, as the Eagles announced their captains um, on, uh, on Monday. Uh, I'm trying to get it up here right now. I'm not exactly finding, but Jalen hurts, Jason Kelsey uh, and uh, a few other players. And if Mike, if you can pull that up real quick, uh, uh, you can jump in with that. Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, Jalen Hurts, Jason Kelsey, Roddy McLeod, and Alex Singleton. There you go. Okay, thank you. Um, I thought I had that uh, noted, but I, I did not. So, uh, Zach Ertz, not a captain, which may be a little odd, but 
um, you know, handling things like a pro and has been a leader this preseason. Now, that would lead you to believe that the Eagles would re-sign Dallas Goddard long-term. No deal has as gotten done, though. Dallas Goddard spoke on Monday. He was asked about that. Yeah, my representation, we talked about it earlier. Um, we thought we'd have a deal done by this time of the year, um, but the team's decided to go a different way. We haven't got that uh, done yet. Um, I'm not too worried about it. I believe in what I can do. I believe in, you know, being able to go out and perform and, you know, whatever happens, happens. But uh, not too worried about my contract right now. just want to focus on winning games, winning the division, and ultimately winning the Super Bowl. Now, interesting, Goddard says, team decided to go in a different direction. Now, he did clarify that he did not, you know, think his contract status was connected to the Zach Ertz situation at all. But I do wonder if this could be kind of an awkward situation with two tight ends, both want playing time, both in contract years. They're both going to want to be on the field. They're both going to want to get their numbers. Here was Zach Ertz last week on playing with Dallas Goddard. Yeah, I mean, the thing with me and Dallas is, I haven't looked at this as a competition between Dallas and I. Um, it's not a competition. We're two players for the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, all I can focus on is being the best player I can be. I can't focus on how they feel about other people, whether they want to be an 11 personnel, whether they want to be in 12 personnel. Um, I just know that I can produce it in this league at a high level. I feel better now than I did at this time last year going into the season physically, mentally, emotionally. Um and so there's no doubt in my mind that I can be exactly the player I was, if not better than I was, how everyone talked about me prior to this past year. And obviously things didn't go the way I wanted, we wanted. Um, some of that was a, a part of the things I could control. Some of it was not. Um, but ultimately, I know what I can do in this league. Um, the coaches are going to decide who's on the field, who's not on the field. Um, and whatever they decide, I'm going to roll with. But at the end of the day, I know what I can do. So, you know, it, it could be an awkward situation with these two guys, but I'm interested, is there a chance that the Eagles end up going with Ertz long-term instead of Dallas Goddard? Like, Dallas Goddard is going to command money on the open market. With his age, his skill set, while the production probably isn't where you would like it to be, you look around the league, Mark Andrews, tight end for Baltimore, he just got paid on Monday. He got four years, $56 million. For a guy of Dallas Goddard's age... He's going to command more than Zach Ertz will. And I wonder if if the Eagles like what they see from Ertz this season, if they might just go with him on a shorter-term deal rather than commit a ton of money to Dallas Goddard. Um, because, I, you know, Goddard's got potential, but he really hasn't produced at the level that you, you'd like him to uh, at this point in his career. And I do wonder if that's the route the Eagles ultimately elect to go. I think they drafted Goddard with the intention that he would step in for Zach Ertz and he would be uh, the eventual replacement. But the fact they don't have a deal done is somewhat eye-opening. So uh, in a minute, I want to do the over-unders for the AFC West um, before we get out of here. But I did want to play some sound for you real quick because they were talking about the AFC West on first take in addition to the Cowboys. And we're, I mentioned this earlier, and I needed to get it in before the end of the show, because now that they've taken Max Kellerman off of first take, uh, they're trying to find somebody who can match up with Stephen A. As I said, I don't know who the revolving hosts are from Tuesday to Thursday. They got Tebow on Friday, which that's going to be awful. But I think Stephen A. met his match on Mondays. 
as he's on with Michael Irvin, the playmaker. And this was a pretty entertaining two minute clip. If there is a, if, if, if this is what every Monday between these two is going to be, this is going to be must watch television. Analyze because you see, because see, this is a debate. You understand this, Molly. Let's analyze and dissect what this the gibberish that just came out of this man's mouth. Because of your right guard, we got to worry about the quarterback. Let me finish. You got to worry about the running back, Ezekiel. Yeah. You got to worry about the wide because he's going to put the pressure on the wide So, you know what? You got to get open quicker. You got to get open quicker. I'm just saying. I'm, all I'm trying I to say know. is, excuse me, they just gave that $160 million over four years. I mean, Ezekiel Elliott got See, your money he fest. got from Cabo. See, your love, no, 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 no. But the love fest with a Patrick Mahomes. Oh, Patrick Mahomes. Oh, Patrick Mahomes. Oh, Patrick Mahomes. Oh, Mahomes. See, you'll give them all the excuses in the world. When they go down there at the Super Bowl and, and, and everybody come jailbreak on the Kansas City Chiefs, like, oh, it's so important now. Patrick Mahomes is the greatest thing since we put jelly and peanut butter on bread. And he couldn't do anything without his guard. No, no, he? no, no. He couldn't do he anything didn't have a without line. his offensive line. He didn't have a line. Oh, he wasn't on, missing man. one dude. Come on, He was man. missing multiple one dudes. In the middle okay. of the field, I, I, I hear again, Stephen A., let me make sure you align my argument in the correct way. I am not saying this is an insurmountable task. I'm saying it's made more difficult with Zach Martin missing. Are you saying it's not made more difficult? Or are you saying, oh, it shouldn't be made more difficult? This is one of the greatest guards exactly in the National Football I, 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 I don't want you to calm down because I don't want you sweating too much having on. No, I, 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 I need you to be cool. I, 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 I got on cool. one of these we, cool. We have two hours. We have two hours. We have two hours. I'm looking out for you. I'm looking out Let's for you. Let's do it. Let's do it. The- I could listen to those two yell at each other like that all day. That's enter- That's good stuff. I think Stephen A's might might. He, it's good to see somebody who can maintain the energy with Stephen A like Michael Irvin. I, Michael Irvin's pretty good. I, I think this is going to be an entertaining show. You know who they need to mix in the rotation? Who? He's good with uh, Teddy Atlas. <laughs> Teddy, Teddy Atlas. I don't because those two go at it. Yeah, I don't. I, yeah, I, I, I don't know if Teddy Atlas has the stamina though <laughs> to hold up with Stephen A for that long. Yeah, but once a month. Irvin, that that's gonna that's gonna be great stuff. I, I love that. I, I I think that's gonna be great. And Thursday night, are you producing Thursday night, Mike? When I'm on after the Phillies till two? Well, no? unfortunately, yeah. You are. Oh, great. Well, we might get our first uh, if the Cowboys lose a little Stephen A. post game video. Ah, he yeah. likes to uh, you know mock the Cowboys. He likes to tweet out his little Twitter videos after the game. So about him. Yeah, maybe we'll have that for you uh, after the game Thursday night. And I do. We'll, we'll do our official picks for that game tomorrow night. Well, that's a tease. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> Stephen A's video. To, yeah, the, the tease is that you know Stephen A's going to maybe have a Twitter video. I'm just leeching off Stephen A content. <laughs> um, but no, we'll give you our picks uh, for that game Thursday night. But I, I think the Bucks Thursday night. What was that spread at? Seven and a half. I well, think that that's what I think. It was yeah, it is. Last. How are we going to give our picks for that game Thursday night? I mean, we'll give it tomorrow night is what I meant. Oh, right. You're, uh, okay, yeah. yeah, I'm in tomorrow night uh, to your dismay. But real quick, let's do the AFC West uh, over-unders. We'll do the rest of the AFC divisions tomorrow night. But the Broncos at eight and a half, this is one that I would stay away from. I don't know how this team's going to be. I like their defense a lot. And I, I think Teddy Bridgewater is a serviceable quarterback. He's He's... You're running the mill, kind of average quarterback who will keep you in games, but won't do anything to win you games. Um, 
I'd go slightly under. They're probably an eight-win team, but I could see them getting a nine-win, so I wouldn't bet this one. Yeah, I'm going under as well. I, I don't. I'm I'm actually pretty confident. Like this is to me not a good team. Okay. Yeah, I, I think that's kind of. I, I I think the Broncos have a chance to be better than than you'd expect. I really like their defense. I mean, if their defense stays mm-hmm. healthy, uh, Fangio is a good. Uh, defensive mind, I think they could give some teams some problems. I just don't know if they'll be able to score enough points. Yeah, they have playmakers. I just don't like their quarterbacks. Yeah, uh, Bridgewater and then Drew Locke. So uh, certainly reason for concern there. The Raiders, their over-under is at seven. Um, I wouldn't really bet this one either way. If I had to bet, I'd go under. Are they just going to, like, if if they say they finish last in this division, which I think is entirely possible, and say they win five or six games, I know they owe Gruden a lot of money, but they can't just keep bringing him back every year, right? Like, at some well, point, they got to pull the trigger and fire him. Well, at some point, is like, you know, he's hinted for years that he doesn't like him. At some point, can he pull the trigger and upgrade Derek Carr? But there's, like, there's no other option for them to go get. Like, what were they going to do this offseason? Get rid of Derek Carr and bring in Carson Wentz? That's that's not an upgrade. What if they're the team that uh, Brady, a couple of years ago, said they're bringing that MF back? Maybe. You know that that that's an interesting uh, theory. I don't think but, it is. But... Yeah, I would go under on that. What do you got for the Raiders, Mike? Seven. Yeah, I'll go under too. I'll, it's pretty much a stay away, but yeah, I, they're not a good team. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, this next one, a high over under with the Los Angeles Chargers. I like the Chargers. I think they are probably going to end up being a playoff team this year. I think they can be a wild card team. They got good talent on both sides of the ball. They bring in uh, Brendan Staley, who was the uh, the defensive coordinator with the Rams last year. He's now their head coach to kind of fix the defense. They get rid of Anthony Lynn, who who did a bad job last year. Um, and obviously, Justin Herbert's a star. I think they win 10 games, but not to the point where I feel comfortable betting on it. Uh, so I would go over on the nine and a half, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't feel comfortable in in doing that. Kind of forgot that they went seven and nine with that horrific coaching last year. Yeah. Um. So I mean, they in theory could have really pushed for challenge for nine, ten wins. This one I will go over on. Yeah, I will go over on. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And then Kansas City uh, over under twelve and a half. I really don't have a best bet in this division. None of these are really jumping out to me. Probably. My best bet would be Raiders under seven um, mm-hmm. if, if I had to. But Chiefs 12 and a half. 12 and a half is a big number. I mean, I think you have to say over. But still, you know, I could see them being 12 and five. So so this is another one that's really tough to tough to bet either way. I'll go over. It's it's really hard to imagine that team losing five times. Yeah, that's you know what? That is that's a good point where you, it feels like 13 is a lot of wins, but it's like are the Chiefs really going to lose five games this year? Right. No, I don't think so. And that division, I mean, maybe I, say the Broncos get them once, say the Chargers get them once, uh, but uh, we'll be interesting to see. We'll go through the rest of the AFC divisions uh, tomorrow, um, but did our NFCs. Maybe I'll, I'll tweet those out uh, a little later on as well. But that'll do it for the show tonight. Uh, thanks to Mike Angelina for producing. Next up, we will talk to Al for the Overlap Show.
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 